Welcome back to Spirit Squared. I'm Andrew Darrington, the host. Welcome back. We're in episode 14. We've got a great guest. We're at the Beckham Hotel. It's a, it's a great evening to have a podcast, and uh, we've got a lot of content to cover. I want to thank a couple of our sponsors. We've got uh, Vault Arms, we've got the Humidor, and we've got Red Construction. Thanks so much for sponsoring our podcast. And we uh, hope to have a lot of continued success in the future. No further ado, we've got a great guest tonight, Lance Mahorter. You are the owner and operator of Culture ETX. Correct. As well as ETX Paddle Sports. Right. Yeah, so you got a lot going on. Yeah, uh, that and a pro fishing career. Yeah. uh, Yeah, husband, dog father, the... uh, yeah, herder of cats, like. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so busy guy. Yeah, always. Um, I find, you know, after years of being just kind of a crazy person that if I stay busy, it keeps me out of trouble. So I stay I, very, very busy. I, I can tell when you're in the kitchen for sure that there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of nervous energy and just a lot of energy, energy just yeah. of everything, just kind of just going 90 to nothing. Yeah. And just and perfectionist, too. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I really believe in that stuff, but a very stereotypical burger. Very uh, attention okay. to detail driven, uh, perfectionist, borderline OCD. You know, it's uh, the, the make of what they say is the makings of, 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 of a decent chef is, is, is those qualities. Right. So right. trying to embody it. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, guys, we're uh, sipping on some of the Tequila Ocho finished in Widow Jane. It's very, very good. It's got a, a nice balance to it, good tequila flavor. Nice uh, whiskey bourbon finish. Uh, if you see it on the shelf, definitely want to uh, reach out and, and pull it off the shelf and, and run it through the register, please. Um, so you just had an article done uh, locally. Uh, in, it's an East Texas uh, published publication. Mm-hmm. It described a little bit about how you got here to Tyler, Texas, um, or to East Texas. Um, let's start first with your upbringing. Yeah. So you you grew up in the Dallas area. I was born in Dallas, yeah, right? Yeah, like DFW. Um, and uh, my stepdad was uh, who raised me was a uh, in the steel business in the seventies and eighties, which was kind of you know a uh, very crazy time for that industry. So it seemed like every two years he was the guy that was going to fix a plant in a different town. So mm-hmm. uh, we went from Dallas to. Uh, Where'd we go? We went to San Antonio. Then after that, we went to Houston. Then we went to uh, Cal Allen outside of Corpus Christi. Right. Um, and then, you know, after that, I think it was about 12, we rolled up to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. Oh, Utah, wow. Their, their office up there. Um, so it was a really strange kind of right shift in life to go from, you know, sixth-generation Texan to move to Utah, where, you know, back then, you know, going to 84, 85, you know, people are telling us that, that they had tails and, like, wouldn't play with your kids. And, like, it was this weird, you know, it was this oh, little yeah. weird thing. Yeah, uh, but it was actually a really cool place. It was a I love Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, lived through high school there until, uh, and then, you know, went in the, went in the military after that. But uh, but during, during your, during you growing up, your one constant was Athens, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Athens was where both sets of grandparents were from. Okay. Um, my stepdad was born there. You know, I had uh, cousins and my great uncle, who's uh, you know one of my very favorite people in the world, uh, had the family. It's an old dairy farm that had been in the family for years and years and years. And uh, you know, it was just always that one little constant. As we'd be going to visit my my grandparents, and then that would involve a trip to Athens or you right. know, or a trip out to visit 
you know, anti so and so in Lufkin or Knack or kind of you know these whole little East East Texas towns. But uh, you know, as as a cook, you know, I get asked a lot what that first dish that you remember, and uh, it was in my great grandmother's little farmhouse in Athens, standing on the bucket stern roof. Right. You know, with a bacon, rusty can of bacon grease over the stove, and you know, matches around to light the burners, and you know, little kids stirring the room just like lava. You know, right. and, uh, um, in this little farmhouse in Athens. You know, and that was kind of like when when you grow up and really get into cooking, you learn about roux. It's not just for right. gumbo, or or you know, right. it is the base of so many different things. You know, whether it be very light in color, very dark in color. So it was kind of like it's funny that that's the first thing that I remember cooking because it's so foundational. Right, so that became kind of the, the constant. You're moving around all over the place. You end up in Salt Lake City, which I've been to. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a, a pretty nice distillery out there High now, West. High West. Yeah. High West is uh, awesome. They have a couple spots there, but their main distillery is just north of there. Yeah. There's some great hiking in that area, too. Now, yeah, hunting, fishing. Yeah. I mean, it's all BLM awesome. land. I mean, so it's like, like Texas is kind of a trippy spot in the, in the way that it's all private land. You know, in Utah is the exact opposite. It's mm-hmm. all BLM, national parks, national forests, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so, I mean, you, if you want to go deer hunting, you literally just drive your truck up to the mountains and just start walking. Right. You know, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So then you join the Army or Army, the Navy? Army, Army first. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, join the Army, uh, artillery fort observer, and then uh, switch services. I was trying to be a SEAL. Yeah? And uh, okay. I was 20... Uh, almost 21 and I was like man I really like I want to be one of these SEAL guys like they're pretty cool you know mm-hmm. it seems like uh, now was that a recruiter talking to you no or, that, okay. that was me that was yeah, you that was okay. just me and uh, so I made the switch and they're like alright when you get to this point you're allowed to try out for it you know try out for it get all that um, uh, but I was on an eyesight waiver and uh, mm-hmm. which was which was fine it would, happened all the time but then during that time period is when President Clinton uh, gutted special operations and that canceled all waivers. So uh, mm-hmm. they're like, you're going to a ship. So, but I wound up going to a pretty cool ship. So uh, stationed okay. in Pearl Harbor. Okay. Um, it was a little guided missile frigate. We did, you know, anti piracy and vessel vessel boarding and uh, you know just kind of cool stuff all over the Persian Gulf and uh, you know we hit so many countries. You know, it was just uh, it was remarkable. You know, out there off the coast of like Somalia and Yemen. And, in Straits Malacca, Straits of Hormuz, you know, Hong Kong, and, wow. you know, it was like just dozens and dozens of really cool countries, Australia, and all the Pacific Rim, these little island nations and territories, and right. it was just enlightening, you know, and that's kind of when I, where I really fell in love with, uh, with culture, you know, with, uh, and that's where the name came from, was, was it, what, it's not East Texas culture, it's bringing, it's bringing culture to ETN, oh, it's, I guess. it's that worldly uh, exposure to food and cuisine and, and, and hospitality and combining that with those cooking lessons that I learned from my grandparents, you know. But Did you, I assume that you had some people on, on the ship that kind of helped guide you, like, hey, we're, we're about to port here. Oh, yeah. This is what you don't do. This yeah. is what you do. And I tend to do it anyways. Yeah. You know, I, was that, I was that guy. <laughs> okay. Like, like, I was the one that would go out and, and, and raise hell and get in trouble and Burn through money. Yeah, you know, get chased through the streets of Hong Kong by the, they call them the white mice, which is like the royal police force. And like, you know, started a bar brawl with some Marines or something like that. And some little, you know, uh, back then it was, you know, Hong Kong was a, uh, still a, a province of the, of the UK, you know. So it was, a, it was a big port town and they were so used to having us in there. Right. They would right. just, you know, they'd blow whistles and chase you around if you got into a fight or something like that. Right. <laughs> it was, right. Uh, but I always found myself going, 
You know, kind of like doing the Anthony Bourdain thing before that was a thing. You know, mm -hmm. he said, go to where they don't speak English. And right. That's where you start. You know, and that's, I would always kind of do that. I'd catch a cab or get on a bus or, you know, and, and just go exploring, you know. And, right. uh, and I, before Uber. Oh, yeah, yeah. And no, before probably, was, you know, websites that guided you. Oh, there was five stars, yeah. none of that stuff. None of it. You had nothing. Uh, right. Yeah, there was no sort of publications that you could look at. It was just literally find a cab driver that could speak English, uh, which there were a lot of, and they drove like maniacs, you know, all right. over the world. Uh, but, it, I mean, it was just... Find me somebody fun. that's cooking outside yeah, that I can yeah. see. We'd go that's to normally the street best markets. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go, go, or, or in the Middle East, we'd go to the souks, you know, and you're eating God knows what off these carts. Yeah. Um, I still, I'm still convinced that's why I can eat anything, and I, and, and I have an immune system that... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I could probably catch cholera and eat it. You know, I mean, it's like, and it's and it's just from being out there and eating whatever and just drinking whatever. And and uh, a lot of times you'd be sitting there eating and drinking with people that you couldn't speak to. Right. And that kind of opened up like a whole new uh, experience with with mm -hmm. eating and hospitality. Or you find yourself at somebody's house, you know, right? Uh, having dinner with their family. Um, and it was neat. It was magical. You know, yeah. and, and and you didn't have to. To be able to speak, right? It's kind of cool. Yeah, I can imagine. I, my wife and I went to Puerto Rico, and one of the experiences that she wanted to do was, she wanted to do you know, do that chef experience, and I was expecting us to do it like in a public place. We meet her in the market at Puerto Rico, and it was amazing. Like she's telling us, "This is grown here. This is imported. You know, and, and it's, their vegetables are gigantic. Mm -hmm. It's just so humid there, and." Uh, and, and then we get done, and she's like, all right, we're walking to my house. And I was like, what? I thought we were going to just cook it there so that way you know, she could ensure her safety, our safety, whatever. Right. And uh, she's no, we're cooking at my house. And she had, like, this nice villa on the second floor. And she, she was like, here's your apron. I was like, what? I thought, I didn't know that, that I was... You're gonna be cutting up that. And your wife's gonna be cutting up this. It was it was awesome. So much better. And she oh, made yeah. drinks for us with, like, little star fruits. It was just... And it was stuff that we don't eat here, mafongo, mm -hmm. and, and just um, it was it was very enlightening. She made homemade ketchup, which I'd never had before, like just from tomatoes yeah, and yeah. puree and everything. It yeah, was just ferment that stuff, kick it off, yeah, yeah, mix it all up. It was it was awesome. So cool, man. Then so you get out of the military, you put in your time. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I did. I did uh, the the tour in the army, then finished out that tour in the navy, and then. Uh, you get into firefighting, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I became a firefighter. Uh, moved back, in Salt Lake City. Moved back right? to Salt Lake. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, which was kind of a trip because I hadn't been there in so long. And, uh, you know, I got off the plane. It was, you know, I've been in Hawaii for for a few years. And, right. uh, you know, get off the plane. It's January. You know, it's right. cold. And Ugh. I don't even own a decent coat, you know. It's yeah. like I hardly owned a pair of pants, you know. Right. It's, uh, Probably um, a big duffel bag <laughs> or yeah, two. Yeah, And, uh. But yeah, I moved up, and then, uh, you know, back when you said no internet, no thing, I mean, that was kind of the early days of, like, where you get the AOL CD, you know, but uh, it was still, you had the, uh, like, like the, the community or the state uh, uh, job department, you know, and they had their veterans guy there, and he's like, right. well, what'd you do in the, in the military? Yeah, you what search like, did you get? I was like, well, you know, I carried heavy crap and hurt people, you know, I mean, that was right. kind of like my, it was kind of a grunt guy, you know, so uh, he's like, well, you could be a cop, you could be a fireman, you know, I was like... Ain't nobody ever happy to see a cop, you know, like right. everybody's happy to see a fireman, you know, I'm like, I'm going to try and do that, you know, right. and uh, uh, test it out. It's a huge process for, I mean, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is yeah. you know, to get on a big city fire department. Uh, I think there was like 3,500 applicants right. for a two year hiring list. And then you had to 
apply, take the test, get ranked by the test, then you do they, they do a cutoff, then you do the physical fitness test, then do a cutoff, then you do an oral board, and then they do another cutoff, and then uh, they make this hiring list, and they hired 32 people over over two years, so it was less than one percent. You know, it's wow. crazy. Um, and the, but those veteran points, like I think 99 percent of the 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 people in my fire academy were, were veterans. Were veterans, yeah. So it, it was those extra points yeah. that, that helped push us up above the top. But uh, loved it. Man, what a job. I mean, it was, uh, you know, exciting. And uh, yeah. there was always something new to learn, a new qualification or, you know, a new certification. You know, quickly got engineer certified where I could drive the, the engines in the trucks and, uh, you know, acting captain and, you know, move up, become paramedic. And, right, uh, right. And I went into, the, when I, I had enough seniority to get an actual bid at a station, um, instead of roaming around and filling in where they need you, I, I was a ladder truck guy. So, okay. So, you yeah. know, uh, up on the roof with chainsaws and... and uh, That's right up your alley. Yeah, it's cool. You know, uh, high angle rescue, like rope rescue. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, and we lived right there in Salt Lake, so we had that urban interface area, so you had, you know, people up climbing and... Uh, Cars up in canyons. We did the heavy oh, rescue, damn. extrication, jaws of life, all right. that stuff. So it was really a lot of fun. Probably and, uh, similar to military. Not as probably not as much action. No, it was it was it was. I would say it was more. You know, it's like yeah, uh, really. You know, after doing kind of around the the first Gulf War stuff and the anti piracy stuff, and then you know in later years, which we'll hit when I was when I was contracting overseas. Um, you know, way way more ghosts from uh, from firefighting. And a lot of that is the medical aspect. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that yeah. in big cities is, is most of them are running, you know, paramedic engines where your response, your first response mm-hmm. uh, on medical calls and the ambulance crews, they were transport. So they basically just yeah. showed up with stretchers and, yeah. and took you were first lead. on site yeah, to yeah. see the and, and man, that was, that was tough. That was, uh, that wasn't the side of it that I was really largely prepared for. It was, you know, a lot of kids and a lot of uh, elderly and a lot of, you know, just tragedy. You know, yeah. and uh, so it's shout out to all the guys that are still doing it, man, because it's a uh, it's a it's a tough job, you know. Um, but th- it's also where you know, it, as as a kid, I got into cooking, but working in restaurants, just kind of trying to get by as a teenager before the military. But that's when I really kind of fell in love with cooking again. Uh, was at the fire station. Downtown. You know, we're we're notorious yeah. for you know everybody sees firefighters at the. At the grocery store, shopping, you know, cooking yep. their own food, and they're kind of well known for being good cooks. Working out, yeah, and the, yeah, and then the uh, word got around when I when I was a new firefighter that I could cook, so I'd get roved out to the really yeah. good stations. Yeah, you know, like the, all the senior guys would be like, "Oh, we want that new yeah. guy. He yeah. can cook." You know, so yeah, we got a free shift. Yeah, he's gonna be over here, station three, and they'd eat good. You know, yeah. and uh, so so really kind of fell in love with 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 the. Uh, you start to see it as a tool, yeah. right? Like or, or just something that people value. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the joy of of getting to feed others and, and, and right. getting that that reaction from them, and that um, you know, I guess it's kind of a sense of approval too. You know, when they kind of go, "Hey, man, you're good," you know. Right. And uh, but yeah, that was kind of that was kind of it. But you know, got hurt. I was uh, man. I was I'd been on almost almost five years. Uh, so I, I was thirty, almost thirty one. Uh, busted my back up pretty good in a house mm. fire, mm. and uh, contributory retirement system. So uh, a lot of people don't understand this. That if people get hurt in the younger years, they get what they put into that retirement system, which isn't very much. Right. You know, four years or so. Um, Did something fall on you, or no? It it was a uh, 
man, it was actually, I, I lifted a big heavy box fan. We were running short um, and uh, shorthanded as always, which, you know, the truck was always the first one to lose a guy. And we had a, a fire with some guys kind of pinned in one side of the house. Uh, so we needed to do force ventilation, uh, yeah. which is these big, huge, it's, it's like a lawnmower with a fan on it. Okay. You know? Um, you're wearing all your gear, you're wearing your air pack and all that. We pulled up and, you know, my captain was just like, Hey, grab the fan, go chop the door, get it fired up, go through the back, yeah. shut off utilities and then come back up front. Suck the air out of it. Yeah. It just pushes it where you yeah. want it to go, you know? Uh, but man, I, I stepped out of the truck, it was snowing and, you know, I, I walked around in the back compartment, I grabbed that fan and a lantern and an ax and turned around and stepped up on the curb and I felt my entire lower back shuffle like a deck of cards. Oh. You know, just, uh. Just the, the, just the amount of weight. Just that the was, torque and the weight. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, stepped up, felt it, kind of stumbled, kept going, uh, went up, chalked the door open, set that fan, angled it, fired it up. Went Adrenaline then. Yeah, went into the kitchen, busted the window out where I wanted the right. fan to blow out. Uh, went out the back door, uh, shut off the gas, shut off the electricity, climbed a six-foot fence, uh, <laughs> oh, walked through the front yard, and uh, then went and sat on the front bumper of the, of the, in, of the uh, truck. Took my uh, my mask off and looked at my captain and I said something is wrong. You yeah. know, like I don't know what, but something's wrong. And that was the last fire I ever fought. Wow. Um, but the guys um, and gals talk about it. You know, a tight knit group. Um, I was just like after using all my sick leave, all my vacation. You know, I was probably I think it was about a month or six weeks shy of hitting my five year. Yeah. To be vested in the retirement system. So they all donated their sick leave uh, and their retire, you know, their 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 time off and vacation days badass. to me, so that I could take that vacation and get past my five years of invested in the retirement system. So wow, you know that was the difference between a, you know, seventeen thousand dollar check or eighteen thousand dollar check and and retirement benefits for the rest of my life. You know, right, which is, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I mean the, the the injuries don't go away. Right, you know, they're still. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my cooks at, you know, and chefs at the restaurant will see me sometimes when it's bad, and um, it's almost like you can flip a switch and my and my legs want to stop working and I'll kind of right. almost fall to the ground, you know. But uh, what was it? What were you diagnosed with? Uh, just uh, just slip uh, discs. Or? Herniated, herniated, yeah, herniated discs. and slip yeah. discs. Uh, they wanted to do a fusion at the time, and I told them no. I just couldn't imagine Probably bending from up here yeah. for the rest of my life. So yeah, I mean, I just kind of really focused on. Uh, I took it easy for. A good year or so, you know, and uh, yeah, um, then just kind of really started working on on, on core strength yeah. and just kind of slowly rehabilitating and uh, and yeah, I mean that that kind of led me into uh, in, into playing music and uh, you know I was playing guitar oh, okay. while I was rehabbing, which is something I dabbled in when I was a kid. But it's like you know started jamming with some friends, and then got into like a local band after after I was up and on my feet, right? And that wound up. I mean, I had. Two different indie record deals and that I went and played, wow. and played guitar for in California. Did Jägermeister? There's pictures of me all videos on here, <laughs> like crazy hair and long beard, and, right? And uh, you know, playing heavy music and, um, you know, I did that for a little while and then, you know, one day I was just like, it's kind of not really my thing, you know. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I kind of miss the military, the the, the firefighting, you know, that uh, that esprit de corps and that sense of purpose, and, right? You know, and just kind of figured out what I want to do next. So that's when I kind of turned to uh, uh, security contracting. You know, like that's a there's a whole different world. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's get you rinsed out. Yeah, we're we're rinsed out because we're we're transit. What, what are you interested in? Uh, I think after the tequila, maybe your honey. 
Yeah, man. You were talking that one up. Yeah, man. So this is uh, this is a bottle that um, some of the people in East Texas have tasted some of my renditions of Pull Up or uh, the A&D recently, the Honey Bourbon. Mm -hmm. And uh, those, those are my concoctions. Uh, Honey Smacks was the last yeah, one. Yeah, that one was super and, good. And uh, so the guy that kind of taught me how to do that is the one that, that did this. Um, Ryan, shout out to you, man. You're the OG at these, and I uh, appreciate you sharing all your scruples. I've not had this one, but the other ones are This This phenomenal. one here is probably a little less honey than the other ones, but you're going to, you can just taste the quality and what he does. Is it's there just, particular honeys that you guys use? I mean, do you mostly use clover. Do you use local? Mostly, clover? mostly local clover. Okay. Yeah, I've got, luckily I have a, a, a kid in my neighborhood whose grandmother is a beekeeper. Oh, cool. And he goes out, and kind of like what you did in Athens, like he goes out there during the summer and she teaches him how to beekeep and they collect the honey and then he brings it back kind of like Girl Scout cookies yeah. and just says, hey, this is how much it is for this. And whenever he does, I just buy what I can. Because oh, yeah. awesome. I'm just like, man, this is this is my jam right here. Everybody loves it. It's, I think my, the honey that I use is a little heavier than mm -hmm. what Ryan uses. Because this infuses so so well, um, but I, I've come to know East Texans have a sweet tooth, yeah. And for so sure. that honey flavor, they want that. Mm -hmm. And I've even I've even used some of mine in like iced tea. Okay, just mixed yeah, it yeah. and made it kind of like a highball tea. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a. Uh, it's cool to have this with you because yeah. I know how much you've uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. Cheers. Um, I know how much you enjoy it, and I I saw the bottle and I was like, man. I know you'll love it because um, it's, oh, dude. it's yeah. so good. It's so stupid good. Mm -hmm. Well, I like the way that honey does. And, and, and I use a ton of local honey in my cooking. You know, um, I, I Since day one, we've used a little farm out of, uh, they're kind of down out of Jacksonville. And, Josh, uh, you want to have some of this? Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Oh, you all good. You over there slacking? Yeah. The cameraman is slacking. So. Yeah. He's our real guy. <laughs> he creates our reels, right? The, uh but yeah, uh, Elsner Farms, uh, okay. uh, Megan and Isaac Elsner, and uh, they've done my honey for me since day one, and I would love to, to see what their stuff would do with the batch. But it's, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just like you said, it, it, it works so well with so many other ingredients, and it's so easy. Like, a lot of people just see honey as such a one-dimensional right. thing, you know, and it's, uh, man, I love it. I mean, I love it. it. It goes into a lot of stuff that we cook with. I mean, we, we're making... Uh, you know, honey syrup out of it for right. the for the plaid rabbit for our bar. Yeah, uh, I mean it's just honey's phenomenal. I like honey and agave yeah. syrup. Yeah, you know, I, sure. I love those two. I use that more than I use those two more than I do simple syrup for mm -hmm. a variety of drinks and and different things like that. Old fashions, I prefer yeah. honey or agave syrup. I, I, for whatever reason, I just prefer. Yeah, it. and uh, it's 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 phenomenal and it's organic. I mean it. Right. Frankly, it's better for it's you healthy. than yeah, yeah, sugar, absolutely. pure cane Antibodies sugar. and things like that. Like, if you've yeah. got allergies. And absolutely. I mean, it's just, especially if you're getting that really good local stuff that's the same, you know, flora that's that's right. driving you crazy, yes. you know? Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, it's it's great in booze, great in cooking, all that. Yeah. Know, it's, that's all right. That's great. So, special forces. No, not, no, special, not special forces. forces. Uh, you know, uh, you're, yeah, you're yeah. over there. Uh, uh, contracting. Contracting. Yeah, like, a lot right. of people uh, know... Uh, you know, Blackwater, yeah. uh, Triple Canopy, um, the, 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 the kind of 13, the 13 hours guys, like stuff like that. 
Um, starting out, man, I mean, I started kind of my contracting era with, with a, a guy who's now deceased, uh, um, really great, very instrumental person in my life, Hamp Dues. Um, well, he, how did you meet him? In Salt Lake City? Or? No, I met him, and I actually moved back to Athens after playing music. So oh, okay. I was out okay. there just kind of bebopping around, and we got into, into, into like some uh, shooting organizations and things like that, and we just happened to meet each other. He's old, retired, uh, Vietnam-era, like Special Forces uh, Lieutenant Colonel, like just a really cool old guy. And he had a UAV company that was proprietary UAVs. Um, and he brought me down there to work on his flight team. And I mean, we were down there doing, uh, we were developing uh, military protocols for the government using fixed wing UAVs. And I mean, this is 2008, you know. Okay. So, I mean, this is when UAVs are not real widespread. Right. right. There, was a, there was a few different platforms that were used in the military, but we so were So, for folks that, that don't know what UAV uh, is, an unmanned aerial vehicle or okay, unmanned gotcha. aerial systems. Drone. Drones, yeah. yeah, and these were back, uh, you know, before quadcopters and you right. know, things like that. So these were fixed wing yeah. aircraft, you know, and uh, anywhere from three foot wingspan to our biggest one was a twelve foot wingspan, which is pretty good, yeah. pretty big plane. Yeah, um, but we were flying down on the border, and uh, we were we were using principles and of uh, of ground tracking and like terrain mapping software, and then aerial uh, tracking, like old school tracking, like. Uh, like looking at footprints and stuff, oh, you know, yeah, like we're okay. doing that. I mean, we're combining all that stuff and we're using it uh, in kind of counter cartel, counter narcotics okay. situations in conjunction with like uh, Bortac, which is like the right. uh, the special wing of the Border Patrol and things like that. So did that for a little bit um, and then uh, got on to, uh, to, to contracting overseas and, and went back over to the Middle East. Um, spent a few years, you know, um, First working for the DOD, uh, Southern Iraq, uh, the State Department in Southern Iraq, like kind of on Nazaria, Dikwar province, like kind of the, that same area where the whole Jessica Lynch thing went down. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big airfield out there that we took over. It was kind of a base of operations and kind of a, a big refueling stop between Baghdad and, uh, and the coast, you know. So, uh, okay. you know, out there doing security for those guys and, uh, you know, uh, close protection and then got onto what's known as the WIPS program, uh, Worldwide Protective Services, which is uh, State Department. Um, and those are the dudes that you would see, you know, in the black Suburbans and in the helicopters and uh, doing uh, uh, close protection or right. like executive protection for, for dignitaries. Shuffle in, shuffle and, out. Yeah, yeah, USAID workers, you know, right. uh, intel types, uh, just, you know, kind of driving people around. Um, in, a, in a high profile. Those are the, the suburbans you'd see yeah, in all this yeah, crazy driving, yeah. you know. And then, Path uh, of least resistance. Yeah, and then uh, uh, that was more like big stick. That was kind of like, you know, yeah. like you see the black suburbans coming, everybody would get out of the way. Right. You know, that was that was kind of like the, the dudes you didn't mess with. You were overseas doing this? Yeah, this is in Baghdad. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, okay gotcha. Like gotcha. Actually in, we lived in Baghdad. We, yeah. we drove around all the red zone, everything like that. Um, and as civilians, you know, I mean, but right. we, we were we mostly were nationals or people flying in, <coughs> um, or just anybody. We right? were, we that were was marked as yeah, significant. Okay, yeah, meeting protection. Usually, people on embassy business, yeah, or USAID business. And when um, was this? This would be twenty eleven. Okay, twenty ten. So. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, got in, got into that, and then moved up through the ranks of of that, and wound up doing uh, what was called low pro. Um, and low pro was kind of the same, but just in a very kind of 
stealthy man. You mm -hmm. know, it's like we had cars. They were most of them were armored. You know, uh, but they looked like ordinary civilian cars. We didn't have that element of big stick anymore. Uh, I see. You know, it wasn't we we weren't visually easily recognizable. You know, it's like we would kind of tend to dress a little more like locals. You know, we wouldn't have a watch on on or your you know your radio things on the inside here. Or you wouldn't wear sunglasses when you're outside the. In, in the in the red and stuff like that, you know, uh, we would have three car motorcades, and you know, we had specialized procedures to where we could split blocks off of each other and right. communicate, and you know, kind of it, low profile. You know, it was just a little more high value uh, right. personnel that we'd be taking around, and, and we always had a uh, you know a state department uh, credentialed officer that was kind of the uh, the over had overall responsibility for the mission, but it was it was civilian contractors that were doing that stuff, and. Uh, any yeah. big, any big names? Yes. Yeah. Probably classified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it still is or not. So right. I, I will, I will say yes, but I can't say who. And there right. was a bunch of people that you'd recognize, you yeah. know, throughout the, the the political scene and the, uh, the the military top brass kind of things like that. It was sure. it was pretty cool, you know. Um, yeah. Because uh, most of them were just completely ordinary people. Uh, right. You know, yeah, we'd swing into the swing into the embassy and pick them up and take them wherever they needed to do or whatever right. business they needed to do and, and then get them back safe, you know. Right. Uh, um, it, it was a very kind of hardcore group of people. Um, still very good friends with I bet. All, all those guys. And, it, and it's one of those that, it's like one of those funny stories that you, you know, you always tell at the bar, it's like, I've never met a cook or a mechanic at the bar. When people are talking about military stuff, it's always the super sniper seal recon 5,000 right. whatever you know and it's and a lot of times you'll get people being like oh I was you know Blackwater I was Triple Canopy or I was this or whatever you know or I was uh, whatever one of those guys you know and, and you can kind of be like yeah no you weren't you know or, right. or somebody says that their friend was and they'll be like stolen dollar well, I would say let me, let, me, let me see their Facebook right you know and I can look at their Facebook and it's, and it's such a small community yeah. you know of people that actually did that stuff yeah I mean, maybe, you know, 2,500 people from, like, back in the actual day of doing it. And you're going to have one, two, three, five mutuals with, with that person. Yeah. If they actually did. Correct. You know, like, uh, so it was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was just a fun thing. You know, it was, uh, man, it paid great. I, I mean, bet. It was stupid money. Um, yeah. And, I don't know, it was just, it was right at the peak of it. And Any close calls? Oh, lots. Yeah, lots. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh. Um, you had electronic countermeasures. You had great yeah. intelligence. You had great team guys. You had people that, I mean, this is what we did was to, like, we just watched for stuff. You yeah. Know? And the close calls, I think everybody had, you know, but it was the funny calls that were, like, my favorite ones. Oh, you know? okay. Like, uh, you were, I was right towards the end of it when I was about to give it up. And, like, we're, I was standing in a parking lot doing, it was low pro, and there was some local, like, Iraqi type counterparts that were doing their thing by the gate and you know we had another one of our cars kind of down across the street over here and this dude came walking this old guy like wearing you know we call them man dresses you know right. the long dress and sure. flip flops and he comes walking up and he reaches in that man in like his little vest man dress and he pulls out a knife like like yeah like grim reaper knife you know and i was like i remember keying my radio i'm like yo yo guys guys this dude's got a knife though you know and i'm like i'm about to draw down on this cat and uh and, and, but it just didn't feel right. Like something was weird. And like, like, uh, my guy who was up there, he was just like, no, no, hold up, hold up. He's like, you know, LN, like the local national is, is, is handling it. And the dude's talking and he's talking and that knife is like, and he's right next to my buddy, you know, and I'm just in there like, 
I'm gonna yeah. drop this guy, you know? Right. And uh, and then he keeps ready. He's like, no, no, the guy's a gardener. He's looking for work. <laughs> and I was like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just like almost smoke. I'm a gardener. gardener, I'm a gardener. Yeah. gardener. Look at my look and, at and my that's, thing. That's what they said that he did was he was like, look, I've got my tools. I'm a chopper. I'm ready I'm to work, chopper. man. It's sharp, you know, like ow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like that was one of the one of the funnies, you know. And it's like, and we had a ton of those. I mean, uh, I remember all of us. We'd sit around and you know, it was like the Lord of the Flies kids. We'd pirate in foods, even though it was yeah. like totally not allowed. Um, We'd sit out in, a, in our little compound. Decompressing. Just, yeah, probably. which was one of Saddam's old palaces. Like, we had a whole ground. He had okay. lakes out there. We'd go fishing in, peacock yeah. bass. Like, it was crazy. Um, but, yeah, we, we'd be sitting out there just smoking cigars and, like, low-key sipping on sipping on some booze that we'd get from the, the Saudi guys, like, in the green zone, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like, the sky would just light up. Yeah. And like invasion day. And we're like, what is going on? You know, tracers and like the military's lighting up and like all the civilians are lighting everything up. I am not a sports ball guy, but I guess it was like a World Cup match or something. Oh, okay. And and, and Iraq, I think yeah. they actually just got back in it and like won a game. So the whole world freaked out. It yeah. was literally just like invasion day, but it was just it was funny, you know. It's like that first initial reaction and then uh, you know, you're all sitting around laughing and they're saying, oh, you know, take cover, get inside. And we're just all outside, like, smoking cigars and right. watching the tracers fly by. I, I was watching a show where the guy was, like, comparing, uh, like, Derek Jeter's followers on Twitter, and, or X now, mm-hmm. and uh, compared it to one of the world-class soccer players. Oh, yeah. And how many followers they have. It's ridiculous. And it was, like, 10 million. Yeah, it was yeah. 2 million for Derek, and yeah. it was, like, 10 million for this guy. Crazy. We don't really man. comprehend... The impact of, of football or soccer, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, uh, overseas. It's, it's just always going to be soccer to me. It has to be soccer. It was soccer yeah. when I played it when I was a kid. Uh, like, no doubt. <laughs> just whatever you want to call it. It's a round yeah. ball. Yeah. It's got yeah. different colors around it's it. It's kickball. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it'd be fun if you just didn't have a goalie. You just rack up the score, you know, 25 to 23. You get a lot more scoring. Yeah. And then you just like the foosball, you just throw a ball out there right. and you just go after it. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Or put up a high fence and turn a couple of lions to the side there. You know what I mean? That'd be talking about entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> that's a gladiator fight at halftime, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, that, that's more my speed. Like, yeah. I, you know, I was never a sports ball guy, really, but, I mean, I played hockey a little bit. And, like, uh, when, when we moved to Utah, and, it, and it's, uh, you know, I, 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 I love it. It was fun. It's my favorite sport. It's my favorite sport to watch live. Yeah, it was, it was a blast it's to play. Just constant. But, like, soccer to me is, like, Big slow hockey, yeah, and it's just massive slow hockey. Yeah, it's kind of like I feel like if they'd shrink that field down just like by half, right? It'd be way more entertaining. You know? Yeah. So, did most of your tats come from the military? No. Um, well, yeah. Us? I mean, starting out, you know, like all the all the normal veteran tats. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah, you know, Navy. I've got uh, I've got one from Hong Kong. I've got one from Darwin, Australia. I've got several from Hawaii. Um, I bet. Yeah. Um, and cool. then uh, after I got hurt, firefighting was you right. know, kind of paying homage to that. Got in there and I always built cars and bikes. So I've got the piston and the connecting rods and, you know, motorcycles. And then I started getting into the chef stuff when I got out of that. You right. Know. The knuckle tats came from uh, playing music, really. Uh, oh, okay. 1605 was my last record label. So if you guys are still out there, there may be a couple old timers still running around. Yeah. Uh, but that label originated with like. Uh, in the early days of it was like uh, bands that people would know, like Head P.E., 
or uh, Cottonmouth Kings, uh, you know, kind of some of the, I guess if you're in kind of more of like the, the hardcore rock kind mm -hmm. of stoner hop kind of music. Grungy you know. type clothes? Heavy, yeah, yeah like yeah. like heavy. Uh, one band I was in was, was called Needlemouth, uh, electronic, uh, Pretty heavy band, really cool. Was there a significance to that? Those numbers? Uh, that was that, that was it. Was actually the story from sixteen oh five comes from this house on Huntington Street, Huntington uh, Beach, California, and that's okay. kind of the old hangout house. Okay. Uh, if you go back, and I man, I encourage all of you guys to go look up these bands like Cottonmouth Kings, spelled with K's, like great band, and you recognize some of the songs okay. when you hear okay. them. You know, it's just kind of that. They were West Coast. It was that yeah, Orange okay. County kind of real skeety kind of hip hop rock. You know, it Very was cool. really really good. Uh, but yeah, it was 1605 Huntington Street. So, I mean, that was the, they shot some videos at that house, you know, um, just a, a lot of history went down with, with that kind of crew out there. And, and that band that I was in with those guys was called, was just called Six, just S-I-X. Okay. And that was kind of like an Orange County punk metal band. It was kind of like a heavy punk with some kind of underground, like hip hop kind of influences. That's cool. You know, it was fun. Yeah. We did like the Jägermeister music tour and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we toured around with like Stone Sour and... Shadows Fall and Lacuna Coil, and uh, we played shows with all sorts of people. I mean, we'd run around Hollywood, hanging out with like Ivan from Five Finger Death Punch right. and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, in this moment, uh, it's a big uh, female-led band. Um, you know, we knew them real well. They came up in the scene with us. We played a ton of shows with those guys back in the day, and now they're just enormous. Right. Huge, you know? right. But it's just, uh, yeah, it was a fun little, fun little thing. But I mean, yeah. And then after that, after coming back, you know, I got the right. got my French pig, which is like a I found the art. It was like an old uh, Victorian butcher's uh, textbook from France. Right. And so it had you yeah, know, a little I broken think I've seen some signs just, yeah. similar to that, uh, like barbecue places yeah. that kind of just kind of give you kind of a rundown. Yeah. But that those are in French. These are all yeah. These are all yeah. French. Yeah. Because I, I mean I'm you know I went to culinary school, uh, classically trained, all that after after coming home. But but yeah, I mean it was just you know hanging out at in in, in Iraq, and one day I was just kind of like everything was kind of winded down. Yeah, it was like the, uh, it wasn't quite as dangerous anymore. Um, so they were trying to push a lot of us, you know, old timers, you know, so to speak, thirty somethings. They were trying to push push us out because we were rowdy. Yeah, we were we were dirty. You know, we said bad words. You know, we <laughs> right. Uh, we were rough. You know, and uh, what were some of the things that they did to push you out? Well, they started enacting like dress codes on the base. Like, yeah. oh, in order to go to the crappy, you know, defect dining facility, you know, you had to put on, like, you know, a collared shirt, you know, or a polo shirt or something right. to go to dinner, you know. And then, well, and at, this, at the same time, they're, they're cutting pay. Oh, you know, they yeah. So they're pay, hitting you both sides. And they're, they're trying to force a lot of people out while they're bringing in people who, have, who would never have right. qualified right. with their backgrounds to yeah. do what we do. They started bringing in people like that uh, to kind of take over because... It wasn't that hostile anymore. I mean, right. it still was, but right. it wasn't as bad. So they're like, well, well we qualification changed. Yeah. So yeah, we start lowering the bar, yeah. and we start lowering the pay, and you know, the corporations start keeping more of the money and paying less. And there's a whole country full of people that are itching to sign up to go do it. You know? Right. So, but but they so you land before, so I was just kind of the writing what the writing yeah. was on the wall that it was going away. You know, so so you land back in Athens. You kind of. Go on a tour, playing music, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and then, was, yeah. And then you fall into the maybe hill country, right? Yeah, hill country is is is, is kind of where I'd I'd lived after uh, 
after contracting. I, you know, while I was in, in the midst of contracting, we moved back. So, yeah, I was living in Hill Country, Bandera. Yeah. Uh, Bandera. Capital of the world. Yeah, know, man. Um, crazy little town. My know. grandparents are from Hondo. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, Hondo is, that's what moved me down. It was that, that first contract with the UAVs. Uh-huh. Um, all, ask the old residents of Hondo about the spies. Because that's spies. what they used to call okay. us. It was in the old, like, uh, it was like an old Budweiser uh Right across from like the a, car like a, bar, like a, a beer barn, yeah, like one drive through, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. It had, yeah. Well, it yeah. had the big, it was a big storage building for like a, a, a beer company, okay, and it used to have big sliding cooler doors, yeah, there. yeah, you could drive all the way through it, yeah, but it was right across from the street, right across 90 from the Ford dealership, okay, like on the furniture of it, yeah. And the first uh, time I ever saw beer drive throughs was yeah. when we visited my grandparents, yeah, and uh, it was just like, what the. But what is this? This was one of their old storage buildings, like a big one. It was okay. a big mess, but that was that UAV factory. So okay. that, that's where we were working. So, like, yeah, all the Hondo people said that we were a bunch of, like, secret squirrel spies and stuff. Yeah. Which we weren't, you know, like, uh, but it was funny. Uh, but that's where I was living in Bandera, and I drive to Hondo every day. Oh, know? okay. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, Bandera, and went back and started cooking. I was just like, I'm going to be a cook. Took in a San Antonio, right? Uh, well, I started in Bandera proper. Right? Okay. And, yeah, there's a, Andrew Zimmerman went there, the, the, Whatever the okay. uh, he's a food food yeah the uh, he does the uh, what's it it's not bizarre food bizarre food yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. that guy yeah he actually went to the restaurant that I was that I was at there well it was bizarre uh, I mean no, that, that, it was just a big festival and he right. was like riding a longhorn freaking cow like outside <laughs> of it you know and, uh, but it was just a regular family restaurant you know it's like I came home and I like I decided I, I like this is what I want to do I want to cook like, yeah you know. Um, Still had opportunities to do other things, but that's just kind of like where my heart pushed me, you know. And uh, so I think I was like maybe 39, something like that, pushing 40. And uh, yeah, I just went to work. You know, I went to work as a line cook. And uh, humbling there. Yeah, it was it was crazy, you know. I mean, because you go in there and you've got these people that are just like little pirates and gangsters and like right. just, it was hardcore, you know. And uh, I knew I could cook, but I couldn't cook to that level, you know, even of a, even of a little family restaurant. Above my head, <coughs> prep expo. Yeah, I mean all that. Yeah, we're doing everything. I mean, it was you know grill and saute and you know fry station and I mean it was just jumping in and learning you know. But thankfully the internet was around you know, so it's like if somebody hey you know need you to do this and then you can grab the phone, run into the lock in, like fire up YouTube real quick and like go to YouTube yeah. University. Okay, yeah. yeah, I can do that you know and yeah. run out and go make it you know. Um, it was a trip and uh, but. It's kind of like, and, and we touched a little bit about that in that in that ETX uh, View article, was it's like I was a brand new cook, but I had all this life experience, and it was all right. like this this very disciplined, very driven, um, you know, like military-esque type experience, military or paramilitary uh, experience, so leadership, attention to detail, smart, you know, I could read a P&L, I could read a balance sheet, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I could do ordering, I could do inventory, I could do scheduling, you know, it's like all these things were old hat, you know, so like cooking was where I lacked, but everything else was, you know, I could run the joint. And so these operators of this rep, this little family restaurant were like, nah, you're going to be the chef. And I'm like, all right, (laughs) like, I guess this is what we're going to do, you know, and uh, so just jumped in. I mean, just, just really, once again, you know, get thrown in way over your head and just, and just go. You know, it's like that failure is not an option. It's like we're here. Right. They, they tapped us to do it. We're going to do it. You know, so that kind of, uh, um, I think what really helped me a lot is when I got put in charge of hiring for the kitchen and I hired, and I'll give him a huge shout out, which is uh, 
is is Maddie, uh, Chef Matthew Hoffman. Uh, he's still down there in the Bandera Kerrville area cooking away. Uh, me and that he was my sous chef at three different restaurants. Yeah. Wow, dude's a, dude's a madman. You just drove him around. Yeah, huh? and uh, dude, like I hired that guy, and and I, man, I'll never forget the the lady that owned that restaurant. I was going through applications. I'm like, why do you hire this guy? He's got a great resume. She's like, no, he's too big. I went, too big? He's and good at eating, like, too. She's like, no, he's a big dude. I was like, she's like, the kitchen's really small. And I was just like, I'm going to interview him anyway. So I brought him in, and I'm like, damn, dude, like, you're a big dude. <laughs> right. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, probably, you know, I'm just a great big guy. And, uh, but man, that dude was a ballerina in the kitchen. Like, I, yeah. I, I had him come do a little test shift, and I was like, you're hired. You're in, like, yeah. And that dude was, I learned so much from working around him. And I think we learned so much from each other. And, and what he taught me was, was like synergy in the kitchen and, and, and energy in the kitchen and just positivity and everything. Um, and that, that there was more to it than just cooking and just being able to run a business. There was a very human aspect. Mm-hmm. And that may be the most important aspect uh, of, of being in the restaurant business is, is being great at dealing with humans, you know, and yeah. that's a, you know, that, that kind of really set me off on a great path, you know. And, I mean, I went from running that restaurant to being number two at another restaurant and then being number one at a restaurant that moved me out here to, uh, to back to East Texas, back to Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson, yeah, Texas. Yeah, and that's like... Uh, that's the Texas Mardi Gras capital of the world. Yeah, and it was, it's awesome out there. And, I mean, I remember that from family. I remember that from Christmas lights drives, you know. Yeah. Like, it's just going out there with a the Christmas train and all that, you know. And... Uh, it was just always one of those cities that I just loved, you know. So yeah, largest uh, what natural made uh, lake is just it's the there. only Ken, yeah it's Cattle, the only one yeah, yeah it's the only natural lake in the entire state of Texas is Cattle yeah. Lake Cattle and lake. the largest bald cypress forest in the world. Mm. It's crazy, beautiful place. It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, it is. Just get out straight there. out of a book. It it, it kind of it, it's like a movie. You mm-hmm. go out there and then you see the pat the pads everywhere mm-hmm. and then fishermen have cut. Yeah, there's little, yeah, there's little, and it's, back, it, it little just, bayous. And I grew up, I grew up most of my life. Well, not now, but most of my youth in Louisiana, and mm-hmm. so seeing some of the swamps, and it just reminds me of, of home. It's it's very much like New Orleans feeling. Yeah, like in some of those, not necessarily the city, but when you get out, yeah, out of New yeah, Orleans out the, city, yeah. and you get into some of those those towns yeah. that you know they're still drying their clothes yeah. with, with clothing. You oh, yeah. They'll so drive the truck up to a lot, get in a boat, and drive home. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it, it's very much like that. And I mean, a lot of people have seen Caddo, and, you know, it was an HBO vampire show. Uh, I want to say Blue Bloods, but True, True Blood. True Blood, yeah. Uh, like the opening sequence of that. Like, there's that old, like, house in the swamp with all the. With the moss hanging Yeah, the moss hanging in front of yeah. it. That is right across from Johnson's Ranch in Uncertain, Texas. Uh, yeah. And it used to be a speakeasy back in the day and they did a speakeasy in there because cops didn't have boats. <laughs> right. So they'd literally drive right across the bayou and uh, the Big Cypress Bayou tie up right there at that little house and they would party all night. You know, But uh, no, just a beautiful area. I loved it. So I kind of scouted. I was scouting my way back to East Texas. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I like San Antonio, I like the Hill Country, all that, but it's just, you know, the Hill Country to me is like, everybody's like, oh, it's so beautiful, you know, uh, it's rough. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's beautiful from, like, the, the vista, you know, like that 13 miles away. It's like, God, it's gorgeous. Then you get there, and you're like, man, it's really gorgeous out there. And you get right. there, and it's like, you know, ah, it's just caliche and scrub oak and rattlesnakes. It's, and, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a desert. It's, rough. Yeah, it's a desert. Yeah, it's rough country. Yeah. 
And uh, so I wanted to come back, you know, I wanted to come back, work my way back east. So uh, I met some Airbnb owners there when I was kind of there scouting the town, and they wound up introducing me to a guy who wanted a bar but didn't realize you have to have a restaurant and have a bar. And uh, So they paired me up with this dude, and we wound up opening up uh, McGarry's. Okay, yeah. Out in Jefferson. It's still there. Yeah. Uh, still won't. I mean, it's been through an owner or two since, you know, but that was kind of my big life lesson in partnerships mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, uh, dude kind of pulled a fast one on us, you know. Uh, um, so, you know, partnered up with the dude. Uh, restaurant was great. I mean, everybody was loving it. We were busy. It's a little tiny place, a little old brownstone, original wharf building there, like on what used was to be. Shotgun the, style? The, yeah, okay, yeah, it's that yeah. two story. It's like, the only one left. Like Annie, yeah. Annie's, Annie's? Annie's? It's the next block okay. towards the bayou. Gotcha. From, gotcha. from Annie Skinner's. Yeah, yeah Annie Skinner's. Uh, yeah, Andy Skinner's boy, if those walls could talk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we had a good solid year running in Jefferson to where it was like my crew with Matt Hoffman, who I was telling you about earlier. He was my sous chef there, too. Uh, and my wife, Bailey. And, like, we were all running that restaurant, and it was just madness. And we'd get off at the restaurant, and we'd all land at Andy Skinner's. Yeah. And, you know, it was just Slow it was a wild yeah. town. You know, yeah. it was a fun town. Beautiful town. I mean, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that that's the that, – that, back in the, in the 1800s, that was the second largest port city yeah. in Texas. It was Dallas. Behind, it was it was Jefferson. Yeah, it was it was, it like was the Jeff- Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it yeah. was uh, yeah because Dallas is now like the business hub of Houston. You know, right. it's kind of the same. But yeah, Galveston was number one, and then Jefferson was number two, and mm-hmm. it's so far inland, it's like unreal. Yep, a lot of logging. Yeah. was done through there. Well, they blew up that log jam in the Red River. Right, and it receded the waters, and the railroads were behind it. So the railroads were trying to get into Jefferson to transport everything. And that they say that's the, the the reason that even now, the uh, the trains as they blow through that center of downtown Jefferson, lay on their horns the whole way through. Cause they're kind of giving the uh, yeah yeah the middle finger all the way through town. Right. You know? and, and 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 it still goes on to this day, and it's hilarious, you know. But it, I mean, it's just they went and blew up that that log jam. The waters receded. Yep. And it wasn't admiral anymore. It's yep. crazy. But I mean, yeah, they go from the Big Cypress Bayou. Turning Basin right there in Jefferson, and then go into like Caddo and take the mm-hmm. river and go all the way down to the coast. It's yep, crazy, you know. So much history, and there's so much that towns. Yeah, there, you know? yeah, it's and beautiful. there's it's there's a lot of locals there, but there's mm-hmm. plenty of people that travel just to see Caddo Lake. Yeah, and want to go out there and, and spend a weekend, just quiet. Um, I, I've talked to quite a few people that have asked for places to go in East Texas, mm-hmm. and that's one of the places I recommend. Yeah, same. Just go out there. Yeah. And like and like uh like now even even doing the, the fishing stuff and the guided trips and all that, like uh I'll take people out there on because I know it like the back of my hand, you know. Um I can go out there without a cell phone, without a map, without a electronics or anything and, and I just know my way around it. Yeah. Um it's a really beautiful way to see the lake is by like kayak or yeah. you know, go out for, for either fishing trips or photography trips. It's just it's beautiful. If you've never gone to go to Cattle Lake. Yes. Like <laughs> I can tell that uh, it was a tough pill to swallow to leave in there. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it, that that really stung. You know, that was. Uh, and you headed back to Dallas, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, at that point, it's like, you know, uh, I'd never got, I'd never got to work under anybody. You know, I, I had a brief spell where I worked for uh, another chef, Sydney Cook, uh, and uh, female chef, absolute badass you know it is uh she taught me that that there are no labels in the kitchen there are no i mean there are no genders there are no there there those who can't it's the last great meritocracy like anthony bourdain said you, know, you can do what you said you can do what you can't mm-hmm. and that's what we will judge you on. <laughs> nothing nothing else um 
so you know, uh, that was kind of outside of my peer group. I had never had a teacher, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I told I told my wife Bailey. I was just like, look, I love it here. This is kind of home, but what else are we gonna do here? You know, like there's nothing else. We're the only kind of real restaurant around. You know, uh, outside of uh, uh, Stillwater at the time, which was a great little like classic right. like, 80s like upscale stuff that was just a dude and his wife you know um, so I was just like I want to go learn you know I just finished I did I did a, like an online culinary school program um, as an executive chef I was going to school you know I was getting that classical French training I was learning all that stuff it was it was great you know and I just graduated and uh, I told her look I'm like I need to go learn from somebody I've never had that experience, you know, so I was like, Dallas, you know, it's home, I know it, I know it inside and out, you know, it's, uh, the food scene there is awesome. Right. So I'm like, let me see what we can do. Uh, that dude that I had partnered up with, he hosed us so bad, we were broke, you know, like, power was out in the house, like, it was hot, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and I borrowed 250 bucks off, off of a buddy to go to a job interview, and, uh, went out to a job interview, and I landed a big, like, awesome uh, executive sous chef gig uh, for Hilton at the uh, at the Hilton Anatole at okay. a restaurant called Sear, which is it was like S phonetic E R, you know. Uh, okay. Twenty uh, eighth floor Hilton, Hilton Anatole, beautiful kitchen. I mean, insane budget, insane wine collection. I mean, fifteen foot floor to ceiling windows. Right. Are like you've I never mean, seen anything. Essential like yeah. Dallas Steakhouse, you know. Uh, it's phenomenal, you know. Um, but went there, was there for a few months, and I was like. You know, this is where chefs go to die. I was like, if I was ready to end my career, like ready, if I was... Oh, I see. You know, it's... To it, sell. Exactly, you want to sell. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, like, it, it's like, if I would have stayed there, I would have never done anything else until the day that I retired. Right. And I'd have had a great retirement. Yeah, sure. It was great pay. It was Cadillac, you know, benefits, uh, match 401k, uh, health, travel. I mean, I could go to the... Ritz Carlton and you know any or any of the Hilton chain restaurants in the world and you know like go to New York and stay for like seventy five bucks a night. You know, I mean right. crazy. You know, right. a great vacation, easy work schedule. I mean, it was I had like carte blanche. It was one of two flagship restaurants in the Hilton chain worldwide that we had like kind of carte blanche. Like we do whatever we want. Right. Um. But I was just like, I'm not ready for that. This is what I just left. You know, I'm like, I just left being at the top mm-hmm. of my game mm-hmm. of, of what I, what I could do at the time. And now I'm back in it again. And I was like, it's not this is after just a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a few months being there. And I was just, just like, like, I hit the realization. I'm like, this is not it, you know? Right. Um, and we got paired up through, through a farmer that I knew and, you know, farm to table became something that I really, really fell in love with. Right. Um, farmer Jeff, uh, at, uh, profound micro farms, phenomenal little farm, um, where are they located? Uh, they're out of, it's kind of like Allen, okay. Melissa area, kind of up. Still in the same area. Dallas. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to jack it up and he's going to oh, say yeah. something, but, well, uh, because you got a yard master, mm-hmm. and then you have an area master or field master, um, and I think it's field master. So he, he had, during, at the end of the conclusion of his career, which he put in 40 years mm-hmm. with the uh, Union Pacific, um, his territory was New Orleans to to um, Alexandria. Oh, wow. So pretty pretty big territory. And most of my, uh, probably 
So we moved to Monroe, Louisiana when I was seven. No, I was um, nine. And uh, he, he did pretty much like a, a, field, a yard master, field master role. It had lots of employees. And, and now here I am kind of doing the same thing where I have 65 or so employees. I'm sure he had probably two, three hundred or right. maybe more. I don't, I don't know. But uh, he always made me promise, like, don't go into the right. But I remember as a, as a young boy, um, he would take me out, of course, on cruise that knew, he knew that would be kind of gentle with me and not you yeah. know, be too rowdy and uh, let me run the train. And one of my favorite memories was uh, they would have those special trucks that had the wheels mm-hmm. on them. And, and, and we drove across the Huey P. Long, oh, wow. across the Mississippi. Yeah. And I remember looking over, yeah. going, oh my God, yeah, this break. is crazy. Yeah. And here we are on a one-way track. Mm-hmm. And what if something's coming at yeah. Like, we're done. Yeah. And, and, and you know, of course, he's just smiling over it. Yeah, he was a big, he, he chewed a lot, you know, back then. And he'd have a big chew in, you know, <laughs> and I'd just be over there paranoid. I, I love the sound of trains. That same. It just reminds me of those days. And then in the, in the, the locomotive, you'd have this big space and, and there'd be like sunflower seeds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there'd always be a spittoon. Before they went, they went smokeless and then they went tobaccoless. Now they're, it's both. Yeah, you can't have either. You can't have any fun anymore with these people. Not, not corporate world. Yeah, yeah. Which is what got me out of it. You know? Yeah. So, so you're in Dallas. Yeah. You're, after a couple months of landing, yeah. like you're you're basically had to well come from a lot of success. You go to Dallas, and now you're, you're in, kind of back in it again. Yeah. Like like yeah. I kind of just found myself at the top of of I mean of corporate world, not right. of like restaurant land, because there was a whole other thing out there that I hadn't even really gotten to know yet. You know. Uh, um, so you start searching for spots? Yeah, well, I, I just got introduced. Uh, Jeff Bednar, Profound Life. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. okay. He, uh, I was like one of his very first customers, you know, like, like first met him um, and you know, was just starting off that relationship. And then there was a, uh, a farm dinner uh, with another organization called Just Farm. It was Farmers Assisting Returning Military. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, which was they were taking veterans and, and involving them in, in farming, you know, in like urban Farms, which is super super cool. Yeah, uh, Jeff and Steve, um, and they, they had put this thing together, and it was just in uh, Hyatt, who's like their uh, their their number one like boss lady of the thing. She's incredible. Uh, I still do dinners with. Like I just did a big barbecue uh, benefit for them, where I cooked barbecue for a whole bunch of people out in a, in a farm in Fort Worth. Uh, but I got lined up through Jeff and through Farm with to do this dinner that was mm-hmm. supposed to happen. Um, and that introduced me to uh, a chef named Joel Ortini, who I owe a ton to. Um, he's now at uh, Parigi, uh, a French kind of joint in, uh, in Dallas. Okay. Uh, with uh, uh, Janice Provost, who's also an incredible chef, um, dear lady. She's the one that's behind Meat Fight, which is the big uh, MS benefit that goes on in Dallas. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, anyways, so I wind up meeting Joel. Joel is the sous chef. Of FD thirty three, okay, legendary, yeah, you know, which yeah. which led to Matt McAllister, um, and uh, I kind of started researching. I kind of started learning, and I'm like, oh, there's this whole other food thing. There's this whole other like crazy chef thing out here in the world, you know, that I didn't even know was there. You know, I'm like, these people are doing fermentation and making their own charcuterie and and you know right. butchering whole pigs and 
you know, like farmers are dropping stuff off at the door, and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, okay. Um, so I'm Today gonna, we're going to have this. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and it, and it was, uh, FT33 was like so hyper local that they, they put a pin in the map where the restaurant was, and they like drew a 300-mile circle. And the only reason they made that circle so big was so they could get to the ocean for fish. Right. And so they could get to the valley for uh, for citrus. Yeah. You know, like huh. the, the, the seasonal citrus. Okay. Uh, it had to be in season. It had to be in that circle. Or else it didn't get used. Yeah. Like doing desserts with no chocolate. Yeah. Like imagine. Yeah. You know, here here in, in East Texas doing desserts with no chocolate. Like people would think you were crazy. I had one at your restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot. Pistachio. You know? Yeah. And... Uh, but anyways, got introduced. They were looking for somebody to... I mean, they had an opening as a chef de partie, which is just like a, a station chef uh, for their grill in plancha, and uh, which was just kind of like the main entree item station. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, I can cook some meat, you know, and butcher fish and do what, you know, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I'm down. You know, I want to learn. Right. Um, so they picked... I, I went and I did what's called a stage. It's spelled stage, but it's, you know, French. Okay. So, uh, stage is just like an unpaid uh, working interview. Um, and I think I did two of those with them. Um, and then they offered me a job, which was crazy. And I had to go to my wife. Dear, sweet Bailey, I love you so much. Hey, babe. I'm going to give up. The cushion. The retirement. Yeah. The travel benefits. The medical. The dental. The... The phenomenal paycheck the parachute the everything right. I'm going to give up everything to go work for this you know apparent from all I can read about him this this kind of this kind of crazy madman like mad scientist chef guy with let's, a bunch let's of cheers Bailey yeah, yeah. to Bailey for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> mm. I love that one the uh yeah but I mean it was just pulling a pitch on life like just like alright I'm going to go be a freaking cook. You know, like, that's it. That's all. I'm going to go be a cook. Like, what I want to do. Yeah, dude. Definitely hit that one. That's a good one. This one took me a year to get. Oh, yeah. The barrel did. Oh, we were all, yeah, we were all waiting patiently for that one. Yeah. I'm working on number two. It's taken me some time, but I have number two coming. But if you knew the, um, the amount of effort it takes. Yeah. And patience. Oh, it's insane. And stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. So anyway, sorry. No, no, all good. Uh, but no, so um, you, yeah, you gave up the parachute. Yeah, and went to FT33. I yeah. mean, multiple, multiple James Beard nominations, Food and Wine, Best New Chef. Um, it was the pen. I mean, like when Thomas Keller from the French Laundry would come to Dallas, that's where he'd go eat. You know, it was nice. like, it was that kind of joint. It was remarkable, you know. Um, and there, you know, at that time, I'm 45, 44. You know, and, uh, dude, these were, like, 20-something-year-old kids that were, like, fanatics, man. Like, they were, like, they were, like, the kamikaze yeah. of the Japanese Empire dudes. They were those guys, you know, and gals, you know. Um, just, They're pushing the limit. They were so, They're making crazy so stuff. good. Yeah. Like, and they were so fast and so accurate. Their knife cuts were just, like, that's where I learned, you know, knife skills pay the bills, you know. Right. In precision, I remember Matt had this thing called micropaw. Uh, mirepaw is carrots, onion, celery. Mm-hmm. It's the foundation of pretty much anything French. Right. Um, and then you get into your knife cuts. You get into like a, a, a medium dice, a small dice, a brunoise, which is a pretty tiny 
cut of each vegetable. It has to be a perfect cube, you know, eighth inch. Uh, Matt would do this thing called microplot, which was, you know, perfect little cubes about this big. And you'd have about eight different things you'd have to turn into those. Wow. Uh, just for one part of one dish of the six dishes that you had. You know, right. like it was, it was just one little element. Everything's fresh. Everything's, you know, like there's nothing brought in. It's, it's you have to, it was just crazy, you know, yeah. and it was stressful. And it was just, uh, it was such hard work, you know, and, and, you know, and that's what made me. That's literally, that's the restaurant that made me. Mm -hmm. And that's, if I could, if I could, give all the successes in my life uh, credit to anybody you know outside of myself for, for putting in the work and doing it be Matt um, Matt McAllister is one of the most insanely talented people that's ever picked up a knife or a pen you know mm -hmm. the guy is he is that chef you know right. he's that good and he's gone on to do so many more things outside of FD33 uh, but man yeah just the learning you know um, I'm, and, and my station partner Got to give her the love, too. Uh, Jessica Alonzo, uh, she's doing uh, native ferments now, which was like uh, uh, fermentation classes, selling mm. different fermented vegetables. And it was a lot of the things that we learned working with Matt were, were doing uh, fermentation projects. Like we did, uh, you know, doing koji and doing, uh, you know, making our own garum, like Roman fish sauce where, you know, you put a fish in a jar with some salt and, like, <laughs> kick it under a cabinet for a month or so, you know, and just like, well, oh, that's actually good, you know. Yeah. Um, these really ancient cooking methods. Uh, I remember we had a nuka. Nuka is like this. It's it's kind of like koji. It's kind of like a, a, a live uh, biological little festival of goodness that turns whatever you put into it into pickles. Mm, okay. Um, kind of like like kimchi. Kimchi, but, but yeah. on that's exactly what. But, I was but on like a. Uh, like a like a singular plane, you know, okay. Outside of how you, you usually start with with rice or with barley or with okay. a, a single grain. Um, so we had this this nuka and, and Jess and I called it our baby. It was our it was our little nuka baby and we loved it and we petted it and we we fed it and you know you burp it and it stinks and it's like you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, getting into learning stuff like that was just phenomenal. And it was the first time that I ever had, and this is the most valuable lesson that I teach to any cook that's ever worked for me. Um, I worked really hard to develop the ability to understand someone else's palate. Mm, you know? Okay. And like... I can appreciate yeah, that for sure. It's really tough to do. You know? Yeah. It's like the, the, other, the other side of it is learning how to plate how somebody else plates. Right. Uh, Matt was left-handed. So when I, I got to the point where he finally trusted me to let me touch plates yeah. and plate up, I would flip the plate upside down and I would plate upside down. Right. And then I'd spin it back around. You know, should, like, yeah, here you go. I, would, I, I couldn't think that way, and that's, I've got, God, out of the, I think on the, on the line now, I think I've got three left-handed chefs. Wow. And I had to teach them to do the exact same thing. Um, cut steaks backwards, you know, and then flip them around, then go right. on the plate, then turn the plate, you know? <laughs> uh, but it, it's, 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 it's fascinating, all the little things like that. And just, eye, eye dominance probably plays yeah. some role in that too, right? Oh, yeah, right. just style, and I mean, just... It's, it's, there's so much that goes into it. it it's, it's, it's 4D art. I mean, it, it's beautiful, but you get to eat it. You know, right. it's like you see it, you smell it, you touch it, you taste it. We have the know? same thing go go down when we do barrel yeah, samplings. Totally. I mean, yeah. you've got Balancing three to four flavors. people, sometimes five to six, uh, and girls uh, tasting a barrel. And, and, and I, some of the people that, I'm probably like in like 30 or 35, 
They're all picks now. Wow. And, uh, and you guys do and, such good ones. And well, we try our it's best. so good. It's, yeah. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And you may not know it. Well, a lot. we don't have the forum to talk about this. And you definitely don't want to post it on Facebook. Right. Like, oh, well, you know, this is... Because nobody likes anybody that's just saying, oh, this is what we do. You know, this, that, and the other. Well, but here's this kind of proprietary. Here's, 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 a, here's, here's a great forum to do it. So... Out of the probably 20 people that I've done barrel picks with, there's probably 10 that I've done multiple pair of right. barrel picks with, and there's probably five that I've done 10 or more with. Right. And those five are similar to what you're saying is, yeah. I know what they like. Yeah, yeah, I know sure. what their yeah. palate's like. I know like, what they taste. Yeah. And they probably know mine too. And they know what I, my tendencies are, mm-hmm. and they know what I, I gravitate, gravitate to. And for me, I like you know I like to I like some earthiness. Mm-hmm. I like some depth. I want more than one layer. I don't want it to be thin. Mm-hmm. It needs to have like some barrel taste to it, right? And it needs to have a nice finish. You know, not anything just like eons and eons, yeah. but just something that tastes good and that stays with you in more than just a couple seconds. Yeah, for sure. So they all know that, and and many of them share the same like feelings about it. So. Every barrel pick almost has this this one thing that we have to challenge ourselves with as pickers because in most barrel picks you have uh, 200 bottles or so roughly. Sometimes it's 150, sometimes it's 200, sometimes it's 100, but most part it's like 150 to 200 mm-hmm. somewhere in that zone. And each bottle is is X amount of dollars. Let's just put a, a dollar value of of a hundred, right. So if it's it's one hundred and fifty, that's that's a fifteen thousand dollar decision. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of. Yeah. And then there's no, we don't have insurance. There's no insurance on if if the group just says, well, you know, we're just going to pass on this one. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, so yeah, for sure. But but you guys but, have built up that correct. Yeah, the group has picked up, picked a phenomenal yeah. amount of, of yeah. really good. Yeah. And, and so, but to the but, point of where it's tough. Just to so you just so yeah. you know. There's always, this is what I appreciate about our group. There's always one question that's asked. Almost, not every barrel pick, because some barrel picks are just like, we know. Like, yeah. you taste it, and you're like, hands down, this is it. Um, this is the best of the this distillers. Is Those are the yeah. strippers, yeah. yeah well, sure. the, it's the ones where you go, okay, I, I'm, I can, this one's in the friend zone, mm-hmm. but this is a banger. Right, and this sure. is unique to the product and the, the label, and just it is—it's just something that you would never guess was coming out of this distillery. Right. And so then it's like, do you want to play it safe, or do you want to have this unique barrel experience? And I, kudos to the admin team because they almost always pick. The unique experience, mm-hmm. and that's what you're experiencing yeah, yeah. is they don't play it safe. They their chances taken, and that's you're experiencing that. You're experiencing a, a a very experienced team that takes chances and doesn't play it safe. It sounds exactly it's, like my restaurant. <laughs> I, well, absolutely, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's it. And it's being bold, and it's being true, and creating identity. Right. For yourself. So 2019, yeah, yeah, you come yeah. from this crazy experience yeah. in Dallas, and then you in 2019 you make the jump to Tyler, yeah, right? I mean, 
dude, being, being an FT33 kid, um, or, or an FT33 baby, as a lot of, a lot of, a lot of us said, was, uh, that was to come from, from, from good stock. That was good lineage, you know? That was kind of like you had, uh, in the Dallas food scene, which at the time, 2018, we were, we were named, you know, the best food city in America by, like, I think it was Food and Wine, or it was one of the, or Bon Appetit, or one, one of those big magazines was like, this is the town. You know, yeah. th- this is this is the scene right here. And I'm right in the middle of it. And I've got this, uh, you know, th- th- this little, not an award, but I've, like I've kind of earned this little spot in there, you know. Um, and I've always been really good at, you know, networking and talking and meeting people and knowing people and supporting people. And, and you know, uh, there's a big food festival in Dallas. Uh, um, Iris Midler puts on, it's called... Uh, Chefs are farmers, and we just—I think it's like my seventh year of, of participating, and it just happened. We do it every year. We're in the VIP, but she gave me a really good compliment on Facebook. It was been a, you know a month or two ago. She's just like, you know, you're always just very supportive of everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I've just always kind of been like that because I appreciate everybody and I appreciate their knowledge and their passion and their view, you know, and like their take and their creativity, you know, and. Um, so I networked and I got to know these people and, uh, and I, I won the support and the, and the love of these people. And, uh, I think, you know, one of the last Chester farmers that I did in Dallas, when we lived there, there was people walking up to me and it seemed like it was people with just these humongous checkbooks going, you ready? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, no, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah. like, uh, um, I was back in that, you know, after only a couple of years, yeah. When I went and I did this experiment, you know, yeah. where I'm gonna just going to quit doing what I do. I'm going to go be a, a skinny line cook for a few years. I was back at it again. And, and I was left with that, uh, that decision. You know, do I do this? Do I not? And I'm kind of like, I don't know, you know. And, and if I don't know, then the answer's got to be no. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's got to kind of be, and okay, if not here, where? If not this, what? Mm-hmm. You know, so... Uh, you know, talked talk with Bailey about it, you know, obviously. And she was kind of like, she kind of was, was missing a little bit of, of rural again. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of started saying, all right, well, let's go, let's go back to Jefferson, you know. And we're like, all right, Jefferson's not really viable. You know, it really, unless you own property there or something like yeah. that, it's not really financially Somewhat viable. limited. Pale lease, you yeah. know, it's very tourist-driven, things like that. And I was like, maybe Marshall, Longview? You know, like, I really like those towns, too. Yeah. Also, kind of same. Longview really wasn't quite on its rebound yet yeah. in, in 2018. <clears throat> then uh, we met a guy, uh, um, Michael Ross. He's the, he was the PR guy out at uh, Keepersall mm. Winery there in Tyler. And he had invited me out to come tour the, the winery and the, the salt kitchen that they have out there. It was a really dope exhibition yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Um, I had just gotten done filming. That's badass uh, area. Chopped. Yeah, and yeah. so the word had kind of gotten out that I had filmed it, <clears throat> and uh, so Michael invited us out, and man, I'll be damned if Michael didn't talk us into Tyler, <laughs> you know, uh, or talk Bailey into Tyler, you know, yeah. like, I just always remembered Tyler as uh, as being, you know, it was, it was the big town when I'd go visit my granny Winnie, or, you know, but like, if she'd take me into, this, in, in, into town to, you know, get marbles, army men, and and models, you know, it's like we were going to Tyler and going to the Five and Dime, which used to be behind where my bar is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tyler was just always kind of stodgy, you know. It was always just kind of yeah. when I was living in Athens, you know, two thousand eight 
ish. You know, it was still dry. It was still yeah. Yeah, super. I mean, there were, you couldn't buy beer there. You had to right. drive straight through to Kilbourne. You know, yeah. it was like Coffee City. Yeah. So yeah, or, or uh, what was it? Uh, Wyoming, not May, Maybank on the what? Oh, uh, Cedar Creek or Murchison? Um, uh, Dumbrell City. Dumbrell City, right south of there. I think it's I think it's Mur- Murchison or Maybank. Yeah. It's but that little town out there on the south end of Cedar Creek Lake. Like we drive there to buy beer. But, uh, but yeah, Gun Barrel for sure, because that's where the yeah. closest bar and concert venue was, yep. was up there. And uh, so Tyler just really wasn't even on my radar. Like, it was just like, nah, like, the, yeah. like, like they still don't like people dancing in Tyler, you know? Like, it was just that kind of, it was kind of the footloose mm-hmm. town, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, I you. know, you. like, <laughs> um, but we went there and we visited, and, and uh, Michael was just like, nah, man, he's like, it's changed, like, it's yeah. growing, you know? Like, we got... A couple of breweries inside the loop, even you know, right. and like what? You know, like, yeah. Um, and and so you know, we talked about it. We we're like, all right, cool, yeah, like Tyler, you know, it's like I always liked the town. I mean, I knew it really well. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we figured we'd come out here and we 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 give it a whack, you know. Um, we kind of had a place in mind when we moved out here. We've been talking with some people. Uh, we kind of had dibs on the uh, on the building that. Uh, um, Mexican joint, uh, hobbies. Hobbies. Oh, that okay. Big, yeah, the big place yeah. on the pond. Ooh, that'd been a lot to manage. Well, at the time, my wife, who I haven't really talked about enough, um, is uh, she's a really, really well-known barbecue pitmaster. Okay. One of the very few female barbecue pitmasters in Texas barbecue, and she is badass at what she does. You know, like uh, she was at Lockhart. She was the original pitmaster of Brisket Love. Okay. Um, she was at. Joseph's River Report, another Texas Monthly Top 50 joint out in Jefferson. I mean, she is really good at what she does. So that was kind of thinking, like, we'd have her barbecue restaurant up front. We'd have my restaurant out the back. We'd share a kitchen, share expensive, you know, yeah. double whammy, you know. And uh, But the more we kind of started looking deeper and deeper into that property, the more and more we fell out of love with it. Like, it was just laid out weird. Yeah, like, it was just yeah. kind of, like, this weird little upstairs part. You right. Know, the kitchen was strange. And it was just, it was laid out really strange. Um, so we kind of backed off of that. And then we were just sitting around, and we were, we were just kind of looking. She was at, uh, she was opening up Brisket Love at the time. Okay. And, uh, man, this little spot popped open on the square. You know, like, uh, I'd been there a couple of times. It was a little, uh, little pizza joint for, like, four or five months. Um, we knew one of the partners, uh, Joseph, if I remember correctly, is his name. He's got uh, uh, Pietro's out in Marshall. Okay. Dope little Italian joint. Yeah. Great wine list. I yes. Mean, I, I think, and I'm challenging him in, in, over the next year uh, because I think he's got the only single glass wine spectator award in all of East Texas. Oh, wow. Which is, which is yeah. an accomplishment. I mean, that's like 90 plus labels. Like, yeah. and, and I mean, he's like, he may even have two now. Uh, the dude is an incredible wine collector. And, 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 I, mean, he, I met him when I was at McGarry's. He'd come up there and come eat. We'd go down there and eat. Just really good at what he did. Uh, but great wine collection. Uh, so that's what we're chasing now. Is we're chasing that wine spectator, trying to get up to that level. you know. But he had partnered up with a guy uh, who also I'm really good friends with now. Um, and that partnership just did not work. Yeah. Um, so they were five or six months in and shuttered it. So uh, I saw the paper go up in the window. And I saw the realtor sign go up, and I just, I knew there was already 10 offers on it by the time I got a hold of the guy. The guy at the time, Martin Himes, million thank yous to Martin Himes and Clint, uh, Clint Childs, 
uh, Martin Heinz Real Estate. Um, mm-hmm. He was the mayor at the time. Okay. Um, I told him my story. I told him my dream. I told him my vision. I told him what I could do in that little former Subway sandwich right. joint with now with a giant pizza oven stuck yeah. in it. Making an Anthony Bourdain promise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got it on, uh, I got the keys to it on Anthony Bourdain Day. Yeah, that's pure that's luck. Cool. Yeah. Like, like pure luck. Uh, you know, uh, uh, June 25th, you know, uh, 2019, uh, Martin put the keys in my hand. He didn't know it was Anthony Bourdain Day. I did. Yeah. You know, like, but yeah. he called me. He's like, hey, come down and get him. Sweet. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things to where, a lot of people don't realize when you're doing something like a restaurant, like how competitive it is just to get the space. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of bids on them usually. And, and you, you have to have that story and you have to have that business acumen. And a lot of people just go into it thinking like, I'm a great cook. I just need a place. I'm going to go rent it. I'm going to start cooking. I'm good. Like writing a, a letter for a bid for a house. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something. yeah. It, it's, it's, but you just have to be able to show that, that property owner that, that you are the one that they should bring it to. You know, there can yeah. be some, especially if you're somebody that's new, right? That doesn't have any history. Like I had no commercial history. I had, you know, yeah. This is just me. You know, like just some right. random dude. You know, yeah. like, but I told him my story. You yeah. Know? And, and and that's where that uh, you know, I, I I tell I tell my cooks all the time is is like have that elevator pitch. You know, what's an elevator pitch? Right. Elevator pitches. You're a screenwriter. You're in Las Vegas. The Elevator doors open up. George Lucas is on the elevator. Right. You have 90 seconds. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You know, don't be too pushy. Don't be under pushy. Right. Get your point across. Don't get it too far across. You know, it's like, sure. it's, um, but it, but it's developed that, you know, and he believes in me. God, I don't know why. Well, you know, I know why now. But, but I, I mean, mean, I see what you do. I mean, now, but I didn't even know what I could do. Then. Yeah. It's like, I had no idea. You know, all I knew is I had a very small amount of money. Yeah. I had a lot of drive. I had I feel like I had a lot of talent at that point. I was sure. coming off of a very high point in, in in my culinary life, you know. Um and I was just like, yeah, I like let's go for it. You know, it's it's uh I had twenty five thousand dollars. That's it. Mm. Open a business of twenty five thousand dollars. The day that we opened I had ninety two dollars left in the checking account. Jeez. The day like the day. And we were open for lunch only that week. Wow. Payday was Friday. Right. Like, it, I just tell people, don't do this. Like, or do, you know, right. like, like it's, but it, but it's, it's, those are the risks that you have to be willing to take in order to, to do your, to accomplish your dreams sometimes. You right. Know, it's just being able to just, you know, I, I watched some stupid movie years ago and I think, what was his name? Uh, Weird Science Kid, 16 Candles, uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, yeah. But it was like, it was some stupid movie where him, like, he was like an actor learning to play a fighter, fighter pilot. Or so. It was some terrible movie. Uh, but the, the fighter pilot told him, he's like, look, man, you can't fly the damn plane if you got one hand on the ejector lever. Right. Or ejector yeah. seat lever. You know, like, you just can't. You can't do everything that needs to be done if you're scared and thinking that you're going to have to bail out. Right. And like, either do it or don't, you know. So, I mean, it's like if you get that opportunity, do it. You know, but just be prepared to invest your entire life into it. Yeah. And get everything you've got and, and back it up, you know. Especially if you're in a town that, that is kind of foreign to you. Yeah. Um, you're, I'm not your stereotypical 
Tyler resident. Right. And, and that's cool. I mean, there's a lot of us now that aren't. You know? yeah, like there's, yeah, there's, absolutely. There's a lot of 30-something, 40-something year olds. There's a lot that of folks that are moving yeah. from Dallas that yeah. are trying to get out of the hustle and bustle, yeah. but also want that urban vibe mm-hmm. that that the newer things and the the cutting edge and, and all that. They're used to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just they've got a taste for it. And speaking yeah. of... So you guys get through a really, really hard patch in COVID. Oh, God. It was super, super hard. <laughs> and uh, then, that was then, crazy. Yeah. then yeah. during that process, you did you come up with Plaid Rabbit then? Uh, no. Um, man, yeah. I mean, like COVID and all that. That was, I mean, six months. It's after. like a blur. It's, it was to me. It was six months after we opened. Yeah. It was insane. You know, and it was like, they touched on that in the story too. It's like, you yeah. know, we, uh, my Chopped episode came out finally. Yes. Uh, which was huge, beginning early 2020. Then the week after that was uh, Koshan. Koshan, yeah. Huge, huge national level deal. I mean, like, this heritage pork fine dining, like, wine pairing, full animal butchery, like, national, national scale. It was a huge win. Yeah. Uh, First person in East Texas to ever win that, for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, and then COVID. You know, it's like, it's like, like, I think they even said it in the magazine. It was just like, you know, you know, 2020 is going to be our year, baby. Right, right. 2020 was not that was year. A, that's why I was trying to skim <laughs> over like it. I read it in that uh, voice. When, yeah. when, 2020 was not their year. Right. <laughs> I was trying my best. To, you had great successes in 2020. Yeah, I mean, and, it was okay. And, that, and we were, like, my business was just, like, humming at that point. And then COVID happens. Yeah. And then um, the, uh, the checks start coming. And so that was awesome. Like, you set records and this, that, and the other because – all these people had this passive income yeah. that they weren't used to having. And so they're just buying up as much as they can because they're worried that it won't be there anymore. So shelves are empty and this, that, and the other. And then next thing you know, you can't get anything because it's amazing how that much it's amazing how that money had the opposite effect of what it was right. intended to do. Right. Instead of keeping people alive, it, it kicked off the uh, the ultimate period of consumerism probably in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the reason that you know a Bass boat's one hundred and ten thousand dollars right now. Right, a truck is one hundred thousand dollars right now. Golf carts ten, yeah. eleven thousand. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's and nuts. it's all because of that. Yep. you know, it's uh not not to go down some socio political economical wormhole, which we could spend like an entire week talking about, but uh, yeah, it, it's a mess. Yeah, and we've been suffering through that ever since. I mean, it, right. it has not gotten better. Yeah, um, through twenty twenty three. You know, right. like uh, price hikes, insurance, yeah. Um, any way that you know the, the the world, or especially the large corporations that control everything, can put the thumb screws to you. They started doing post COVID. You know, mm-hmm. um, insurance biggest scam in the world. You know, I pay probably twenty thousand dollars in insurance every year just for the sake of, of having a restaurant at the bar. That's right. No claims, no nothing, no. That's right. Fine dining. You yeah. know, like it's not like a bruiser bare knuckle yeah. pool hall. You know, like. Nice place, you know, 20 grand. Right. You know, it's nuts. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, we, we, we dug through it. We, we made it through it, thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> cheers to COVID. <laughs> I'll, I'll cheers that because I had, I had different heartburns. It was just different heartburns. And uh, I mean, I was thankfully never at risk of like losing house and home or mm-hmm. even a life. Um, thankfully, yeah. but um, many yeah, people, that, that many, many sure. people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many people sure. had a uh, home, yeah. uh, uh, their their livelihood, their job, 
their family, family members. members. Yeah, them, so, I mean, yeah, there's. I mean, I had people, uh, I had friends of mine that were younger than me hospitalized. Yeah. You know, it's like, Same. what the yeah. hell is going on here? Um, and, and many of them had prior conditions. Yeah. So that's, it just exploited that to right. a certain degree. And uh, so, I mean, it, there, we can rant, like you yeah. said, we can go on and on. All right, talk, talk to me about Plaid Rabbit. Yeah, Plaid yeah. Rabbit is something that Tyler... Cool, man. Yeah, yeah, man, I, cool. I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, had Culture ETX, um, cultureetx.com, you know, uh, great food, global, kind of based on my world travels. Yep. But So the restaurant was just crushing. I mean, it was doing really, doing really, really well, despite all the madness. Uh, but, you know, didn't have any money when I opened it up. So BYOB for the first two years. We enjoyed it. Thank which you. Which was cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was nice. Like, I would have loved to have had that money. Right. You know, that sure. revenue from selling, sure. from selling booze. But it's just like something you've got to realize that you may not be able to do. And if you have to work your way up to it, do it. You know, like, right. it worked for us. I mean, we've got a great wine program now. We've right. got a great beer program. We've yeah. got some great booze in the back. But, you know, uh, we worked our way up over a couple of years um, in this tiny little space, you know, yeah. 1,500 square foot. Yes. We didn't have room for a bar if we wanted one. Right. So I got my wine and beer license, and that kind of helped kick it up and get it going. Um, and that, that made the, the revenue a little more not super successful by any means, but, but we weren't living right. payroll to I always say instead of paycheck to paycheck, as a business owner, it's payroll to payroll because right. it's other people's checks. I still haven't written myself one. Right. You know, the, uh, but we finally got a wine and beer, did that for about a year, and we really wanted, I, I always wanted a speakeasy, like a true traditional it's, speakeasy. It is as true as it gets. But we didn't have anywhere to go. You right. know, so uh, Martin Hines, uh, my landlord, his wife has the, the balanced Pilates studio next door. Okay. So we were talking about, I'm like, man, maybe like where my little cash registers are, like if I could go through the wall there and like maybe take half of that downstairs of yeah. her little studio. Like, yeah. We could split it, you know, I could have yeah. this little thing over there. And he was kind of like, oh yeah, I can kind of see that. You know, he's like, you know, well, let me see if I can make the pitch and, and do whatever. And uh, the space behind me, which was the actual back third of my building, right? that had been a loft for like a little two-story apartment in that room for like 15 years. Uh, some dude lived there before. I met him in the bar like two months ago, which is kind of trippy. He's like, yeah, I lived here like back in college, you know? And uh, But there was a lady that lived back there. She lived there for nine years, you know? She had this little dog that would terrorize everybody if they walked by because there was a glass door in the street. Right, right. And that dog would bang on the glass. <laughs> Scared the hell out of people. Uh, but we never thought she'd ever leave, ever. That was just, she just lived there. That was her spot, you know? Right. Um, but man, lo and behold, it was, I guess, 21, and yeah, it was like December of 2021, um, she turned in her notice, mm. and, uh, you know, probably my, had family that wanted to move closer. Well, I think she like wound up getting, I think getting married or something and getting a house, oh. and like, uh, she's Good off for her. living her, her dream, you know, yeah. and, uh, um, yeah, so, but so there's that sprouts, spot. Yeah. And then Sprouts, Allison Wonder. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, we're Martin and I are right in, the, in Clint, are right in the middle of talking about trying to snag a piece of his wife's body studio, and then the back of the building opens up, and we're like, well, we're taking it, um, yeah. you know, um, obviously. So how do we take this super tiny space and make it cool, just like the restaurant? It's so undersized. It's, yeah. it's like mini. But I mean, it's that's what but makes it's cool, so great. You know? yeah, yeah. It's, it's like dark. Yeah. And it's, and it's
and then you're in the process of getting in there. Every all your employees get it. Yeah. They get it. They're it's like, like hey, yeah. you gotta give me the passcode. You yeah. gotta get on the on your Facebook page to get the passcode, which I think is clever. Um, and well, then, what, what fun would it be exactly if we didn't play along? Yes, you know? and then like, and then they're knocking at the door, and you know you're you. you it's experience. It's cool. It's, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's like then every more, time a new group comes in, you hear yes, yeah, and then and then and the door opens and people walk in. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. And then uh, I, man, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in there and seeing people. That I haven't seen in a minute. Yeah. And you immediately stand up and you're you're just happy oh, yeah, that yeah. they're there because the space it's only cool. it doesn't fit many. No, it fits like 40, 40. That's what I think. 45. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so out of all of Tyler, you have this one or two, three people that maybe you've met at we we had a dinner yeah. at your your restaurant. Yeah, place. yeah. I mean, and yeah. so there was maybe like 16 to 20 people there. Yeah. And one of them walks in with their wife. I get to introduce my wife. Mm-hmm. They've already met before, but they, they don't interact as much. And I'm, you know, hey, man, yeah, oh, got to taste the Paloma. You have to taste yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You have to, this drink right All here. All these craft cocktails. Yeah, like man, legit, like yeah, big city craft cocktails. Like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the ambiance is amazing. You've got smoked, uh, uh, yeah, well, smoked old, old fashions. fashions. You've got rum old fashions. With, I mean, we've got a dopes. I mean, like even the booze is, like it's not a Jack Daniels bar. It's not a Crown right. Royal bar. We don't have it. Right. Um, it's like the vibe of it was taken from the restaurant. It's like right. we're going to get the best ingredients we can get our hands on. We're going to treat them with a lot of love, a lot yeah. of respect, a lot of creativity. Yep. Um, and you even have a side door for smokers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, hey, well, if you want to smoke, go ahead. I've actually got tables to go outside. Right. Oh, cool. But I just haven't done that yet just because of staffing and kind of yeah. getting our feet out from under sure. us and learning, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I've got ropes and seating to go outside, too. But and the other thing I've noticed of, about your group is that You've got people that I've seen season over season. Yeah. You know, yeah, they sit, yeah. they love it. They yeah. like how just the, in the plaid rabbit, it's the same couple folks. Yeah. They're there. They enjoy it. And what I, the other thing that I think is fun is I, I know you do it in your restaurant because you like to push the limits. You like mm-hmm. to try different things, but they do it too there. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if I tell them, I know my wife, you know, she was like, Hey, can you make this? But this way, oh, yeah, and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do you want this in it? And yeah. They'll add a flower to it just to make it. Oh, well, we understand you're kind of wanting to make something special. We'll add this to it. Yeah. And it's something she didn't order, but she knows, oh, well, hold on. I, was, well, I got a flower petal. It was yeah. a flower petal. And they're you know? working on cool things all the time. Like, yeah. I, I got them the equipment. You know, it's just right. like the, the culinary guys up front. You know, they have sous vide heads and immersion circulators and induction burners and dehydrators and isi canisters and reverse spherification and like they can make caviar and they can make little jellies or they can make like i have all that stuff for them it's at their disposal so cool man you know and it's just like investing in the equipment for your crew to be successful and it's all the things that we do culinarily can absolutely cross over yeah you know and that goes back to like matt McAllister. like that's i learned what attention to detail can do to a food program and their bar program was James Beard by the way. Yeah. You know, like they were working nine months out of the year in the bar at FT33 with no fresh citrus. Mm. Bend your brain around that. Wow. We had to get it dehydrated. We had to get it in in crates during that three month window that we could get 
lemons and limes and oranges and whatever we could get out of South Texas, not yeah. from Mexico or wherever, right. or California or Florida, what we could grow in that 300-mile circle and preserve it yeah. and uh, dry it, save it, powder it, you know, like, yeah. it, it was nuts, you know, ferment it, you know, <laughs> it's just, uh, so, but they don't have those stipulations, but they have that, the same access to that kind of equipment right. and those techniques and, and just that kind of underlying vision that goes under, you know, everything that we do from homemade pastas to homemade syrups and shrubs and things that go into, into cocktails, you know, and garnishes and, you know, people are buying bags of dehydrated stuff and, like our bartenders are thin slicing and candying and cooking down and dehydrating and everything that goes on those drinks, those bartenders are making. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. like, and we're rotating through a couple now, um, you know, uh, they're moving on to the next stages of their career. Some of them are going into like, uh, like KJ is going into, uh, the alcohol rep. Oh, okay. World, into okay. the wholesale side of things. So, um, you know, it, it's, that's not an easy world. It's cool, yeah. But, yeah. It, but it's cool to watch people yeah, grow and watch them kind of take off and, and, and kind of help push them up in, in, into that next phase. You know, it's like all, 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 the sh- all of my chefs now, I mean, just about all of them have been with me over a year or more. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, it's like um, saying something in the restaurant world. Absolutely. Know, especially, especially in a city like Tyler because it's, it's really tough. Yeah. There are no FD33s or, right. um, you know, Machalayos or Lucia's or, or places that we can draw you know, really talented people from, we take these, these young cooks and from, you know, chain restaurants or little family restaurants right. or, you know, cheddars or whatever, you know, and then we, we, we teach them and Mold. we grow them, you know, like we don't have any network to get those people from. So, and the bar's the same way. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, we just try and grow them and inspire them. Um, you know, on the cocktail side, we've had a ton of great influence with, uh, like uh, Abby Kurian, a phenomenal mixologist who's really put a lot of heart and work into into uh, dreaming up a lot of the cocktail side of things and teaching those guys like how to yeah. kind of manipulate things on a level that I don't even know because it's like I, I'm not a bartender, you know. It's like right. <laughs> I'm a cook, you know. It's a lot of it kind of yeah. plays hand in hand, but no, it's, and I it's think really Shannon Hood's got something. Yeah, uh, Shannon, we're doing something. Some uh, whiskey stuff. We're gonna do three or four, maybe five of them this year. Um, Oh God! What does she call her thing? Uncommon pours or un- poorly poorly, oh, poorly educated. educated? Poorly, poorly educated. educated. That's yeah. it. I was uh, letting you walk yeah. through it because sometimes like, like I'll you sound it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, poorly educated. Uh, Shannon Hood, phenomenal. One of our uh, absolute. Yeah, uh, she's been on before. She, yeah, she was like her second or third guest. That, I would hope so. Yeah, man. Yeah. She well came in with these yeah. medallions yeah. and everything, yeah. and and Incredible. then uh, so what was funny was. Um, I was I was like Shannon, how do you want me to introduce you? And she's got all these accolades, and MS, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And so <laughs> I was like, and we had to take it like six times because yeah. I was just like screwing it up every time because she's got so many accolades and and different like, you know, I'm the master of this type of thing, yeah. and I've got it's like this a quarter sommeliers for yeah. Burnham, I mean, it's amazing. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But we'll do another event with her. I think the first one this year that we're kicking off is going to be. I think it's the 21st okay, or cool. 22nd of, of, of cool. this month of February. Um, and then we've got another one, I think, in, in March scheduled. That's the next one, maybe June. Or, but it, I'll look forward we're to We're going to have that. a lot of them. Yeah. And, and yeah. they're going to be... It'll be on your, on your Facebook yeah, page, yeah. your website. A- everything, social yeah. media. Okay. Um, it'll be on Culture ETX. It'll be on... Look up the, the Plaid Rabbit ETX. Yeah. yeah. 
Cool. Uh, social media, you need that for the password anyways. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we do we'll probably, the passphrase. Once yeah. we put the uh, podcast up, we'll probably just tack it on. Yeah, there you go. That and, way everybody uh, knows how to go to it. Yeah, go get that password. Yeah, go hit that up. Get the passphrase. Yeah. It's usually the most recent Alice in Wonderland post. I'm toying with another book for this yeah. year. Okay, I don't know cool. which yet, but just keep an eye. Uh, classes will go up. We're going to have some, uh, some like, kind of, you know, manufacturers events. Sweet. From... Uh, Hopefully the distilling side as well as the uh, winemaking side, uh, some pairings, some tastings. Um, Sounds fun. What man. else? Uh, I mean, we do East Texas Whiskey Club. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, whenever we do uh, tasting menu dinners, I love those. Those man. are phenomenal. So um, good. I love the fact that yeah. you. First off, in your restaurant, just so people know, when you come in and you sit down and. You can watch everything be prepared. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think is completely awesome. open. Like, yeah, yeah. If there's, there's not many restaurants that I've dined in that you can watch everything yeah. happen. And then um, on those tasting dinners, what the, well, other than the food and obviously the, 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 the drinks that we're getting yeah. share, the is long table. You, you, no, you come, oh, in, yeah, you yeah. come in from yeah. behind the yeah. grill and you, and you say, and this is what we've, yeah. we've prepared for Tell you. Story, yeah. Almost like yeah. a Food Network series. Yeah being filmed there, you yeah. know, like, hey, I've made for you, you know, uh, fried quail on, you know, yeah. this, that, and the other. And it's like, wow, you know. Well, you there's just, thought. It's not accidental, you know. It's yeah, like there's exactly. thought that goes into it. Like, uh, um, like you guys always get me uh, little tasters yeah. and things. So it's like we're talking and we're figuring out how we want to organize bourbons or what goes with what or what order we want things to go into. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, as life things go, it'll get messed up and one will get flipped around and yeah. you got to swim it, you know, it's, yeah. and it's just a blast, you know, and, and we'll switch dishes around to match with how you guys are pouring. Um, but I mean, yeah, you get to watch it live. It is uh, open kitchen. It's awesome. Um, it's, awesome. it's hardcore cooking. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. There's, there, there's no microwaves going ding. There's nothing coming yeah. frozen out of bags. Yep. Everything's fresh. Most things are, everything we can get local, we get local. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you've got chefs preparing your food, and you can watch them do it. Um, yes. There's a giant pizza oven Absolutely. that we inherited. Yep. Um, that we treat like a big broiler. Everything else co- comes off of. I've got a six burner stove. One of them has a pasta pot on it at all times. Yep. yep. So I've got five burners. Right. I've got one more burner than you have in your house. Yeah. To cook for you know 80, 90 of my closest friends every night. You know, like. <laughs> It's badass. I mean, yeah, it is. And like when you, and, and it's something to and, watch. You know, my, my guys and gals are going on the back line. And you got the plating station. And then I'm so you can just right like, up there in the front. Yeah. You can kind of see everybody else. I mean, like for me and you, if, my you're, if, you're, if you're sitting at table 32, which is the one right, right. in front of the back, yeah, right there. literally for me that's, and you. That's how, that's where we sat last time. Yeah, it is and awesome. And we watched everybody's food come out, including ours. And uh, look, man, if you, if you have an opportunity to get, um, there's an appetizer that you have that has a warm fig. In it. Oh, the burrata. Uh, yeah, man, it's got it's, like fig jam, or when we can get them fresh. Mozzarella. Uh, yeah, burrata. Yeah, oh, and it's got a stupid. It's got sopressata salami on it. Yes. Uh, olive and bread. oil. Yeah. It's yeah. got a little bit of everything. And yeah, my my wife and I are just I love smitten that with that one. Yeah, it's just that, nuts. That one is like. That gets you started. That's a straight up Tyler Rapp. Yeah. Right there. Like and, and cheese the, and bread. And the no bake sweet. And the no bake cheesecake. With pistachio, uh, yeah, crust. pistachio brittle, brittle, yeah, oh, uh, man, just it's just crazy, man. That one, I man, I missed. It was right before Christmas this year, and I missed my memos. Uh, she would always make either peanut or pecan brittle, yeah, uh, right before Christmas. And yeah. It was just something popped in my head this year, and I was just like, man, it's I'm, so good. I'm like, I miss her brittle, and then yeah. and then me and my my garmanger 
uh, Chef Caleb DeBose, um, I was like, man, you and I have never made Myrtle anything in our lives. Like, we're going to figure this out. I'm like, I've got a dope cheesecake recipe that I think will go, like, we can make yeah. some tweaks on it. It'll go well with this dish. Uh, but, like, we sat and we messed with that brittle for, you know, two, three, four days until we got it to it's, where we wanted it, you know? It's, 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 it's good for people that like like a sweet, and there's yeah. great for pe- people. Like, for me, I don't like a lot of sweet. Yeah, same. But it's still yeah, the same. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. Yeah. so good. It's, you know you're eating dessert, but yeah. it's not like, but it doesn't just smack you down yeah. in the head, you know? Like, I mean, the, the apple pie is like that. It's yeah. like, like, you know, my, my mamma would be like, it, it, it's, it's not about the pie, it's about the apple. You yeah. know, it's like... It's way more of like a tart, you know. It's right. uh, it's not all syrupy and heavy, and, and then chocolate mousse, same thing. That's the same base chocolate mousse recipe that I came up with, man, like almost ten years ago, um, after playing with chocolate mousse for a while, and then uh, I made that same chocolate mousse when I was on Chopped. You know, yeah. people are always like, "Did you win?" I'm like, "You gotta watch," but you at least yeah. know I made it the dessert right. round, right? Right. Like, <laughs> right. But that chocolate mousse was was part of that, you know. Um, that was one that I pulled out of my sleeve, uh, which is why if you ever go to culture and they're out of chocolate mousse, you send me an email and let me know because they're not allowed to run out of chocolate mousse because I made it on chopped in like 15 minutes along with some other stuff. So right. um, chocolate mousse is dope. The, uh, and the deep fried bread pudding is just, Oh yeah. It. That's the quintessential. Like yeah. just, that's my favorite dessert on the planet because it's kind of like breakfast. It's kind of like dessert. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of savory. It's kind of sweet. And like, I've made, just, I've made it gluten free before. Which is not gluten free bread pudding. Yes, it's just pudding. It's just like Udi bread yeah. that you just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. day old, yeah, yeah. You know, unfreeze it and just yeah. wait a day and yeah. then do it. That was a uh, that Udi actually does make some pretty good. Yeah, my bread. my mother in law has gluten is yeah. a gluten allergy, and then my uh, my wife's grandfather his favorite thing that I made was bread pudding because yeah. I when I was in Monroe I cooked for like four or five years through college and. You know, fry cook and stuff like that. Make gumbo, etouffee, jambalaya, mm-hmm. red beans, dirty rice, all that kind of stuff. Fried everything, yeah, including it, including frag, fried uh, frog legs mm-hmm. and and uh, you know just gator and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't make a lot of, of desserts, but bread pudding was an easy one to make. Yeah. Fairly easy. I mean, if you just kind of toss yeah. it and then yeah. just baked it, and then making the whiskey sauce and all that good stuff. Oh, it's, it's so versatile. It's so good. Say, pour in some whiskey, and then you fry it, and then. Come on now. Make it with pork fat instead of butter. It's not good. It's uh, super good. That's one of the things that helped me win Coach on. Well, man, uh, congratulations yeah, on being the success you are in Tyler. We're still, it, we're still gunning. I know, but, but yeah. man, if, if anybody ever has a doubt, they can go to your restaurant and test it out, and they will be – it'll be validated. Thank that you. Uh, this, it, we've gone recently twice, recently yeah. – and it's been an awesome experience. And, of course, you have to visit the Plaid Rabbit. Even if you don't drink, you oh, need to go there because yeah. you have cocktails. Dope cocktails. Yeah, zero, zero no, not, alcohol. They're cocktail. not replacements. Yes. They're not alcohol replacements. They're not booze replacements. We curate and make mocktails. Yes. Every single menu. The whole thing. I mean, dry January. Of course, we're in yeah. February now. But if, you, if you're in a dry Year period yeah. Yeah. and you want to go uh, somewhere, that's, it's a great spot to hit. Um You've made, you've had a bunch of shout outs through this podcast, <laughs> but um, yeah. it, here's, I love that this last part of it is your opportunity. If you had any influences or anybody that you haven't mentioned, we've mentioned a lot of people though. I mean, you've, you've really done a great job, better than most guests we've had, but recognizing people of influence 
It, but if there's anybody that you you want special recognition to, this is the time. Yeah, there's a. I mean, man, there's a lot. I mean, thank you, obviously, thank you, yeah. East Texas Whiskey Club, for all the opportunities that I've had to cook for you guys, and 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 being privy to so many of the of, of the picks that you guys do. It's like I've built up this ridiculous bourbon collection. I can't even call it a collection because I can't keep any of it yeah. sealed. Right. You know, they're all it's not a collection. Like, it's not a collection. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a canteen at yeah. this point. You know. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean. Um, man, I, I've already said, you know, Sydney Cook. Yeah. She, when I came home, I hit this absolute low of lows that a lot of veterans hit when they come back home. And I was to the point of where I was about to just absolutely blow my freaking brains out at one point. Yep. Um, I tried the cooking thing. I didn't think it was going to work. I left. She drugged me back in kicking and screaming and said, this is what you need to do with your life. She saved my life. Wow. Um, Cindy Cook, uh, Matthew Hoffman, um, all those cooks that worked for me and with me for all those years where I was learning not to be a crazy son of a bitch. Right. Um, which, what, it's not that far in recent history when, right. when I really kind of worked through a lot of that. Um, Matt McAllister, holy shit, man. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I only let one slip the entire podcast. Yeah, but no, Matt McAllister. Hines. Um, Jessica Alonzo, Martin Hines, yeah, Hines Real Estate, Clint Childs. Um, Those guys we, were pretty influential. We didn't even get into all the fishing side of things. All my fishing oh, sponsors, shit, pro yeah, stuff, man. all that. Uh, that's that's, a whole, forgot, no, that's a whole other thing. We've been going on some good cooking stuff. Uh, all my fishing people, thank you for keeping me alive and keeping me occupied in the little bits of spare time that I don't have. Um, my wife, Bailey. You yeah. know, uh, Bailey is... She is the most badass woman that I've ever met in my life. She is a true force in and of herself. She's so talented. Um, more talented than I think she'll ever even realize. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'd be nothing without that girl. Yeah. You know, she's stuck. You know, a lot of people go, you know, because, I mean, dude, Bailey's hot, man. She's good looking. Like, people look at me, that old gray-haired dude, and I got this beautiful blonde-haired wife, and they're like, oh, he must be some sort of sugar daddy or something. I ain't rich. I've never been rich. She has been with me since I was a skivvy cook, uh, scraping away at the first restaurant I was ever a chef at. She has lived with me through the power being off, hunting for change in the cushions for gas money, um, hungry, you know. She supported me in the years of where I dropped that whole career and went to work for crazy chefs for not, no money. Right. Um, she's worked with me through the stresses of, of opening... Um, Culture ETX and the Flat Rabbit in a town that has been tough at times. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and a few people that have been very tough on me at times, and it's very tough on her yeah. to, to, to live through that. But she's a, she's a rock, man. Yeah, like, yeah. she's everything. Um, I would be nothing without her. I will not be anything if I ever lost her. So, right. Bailey, 100%. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you. I'm not yeah. going to cry. <laughs> you almost did. You almost did. I think you were yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. It's so, a little bit different. In, it's okay. In, it's a little bit different in person, right? right? Than, 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 uh, I've, I've, so it's 14. This is episode 14. Uh, and I can't tell you how much different it is 13 episodes in. Um, I, I, I've always been okay public speaking. Yeah. Always. Same, yeah. And, um, but like this one was a little bit different because yeah. I knew you, you give off an emotion and an aura that most guests don't, yeah. and I feel that, and so I wanted, not in 
want to match it or anything. I just wanted to live up to that expectation that I knew that I was around. Yeah. And so um, it's it's very it's absolutely cool. I really appreciate you yeah, agreeing you. to come Absolutely. on. Yeah. And, uh, and and so you read an article and you're like, all right, well, this is somebody else's words. Yeah. But a podcast, it's your words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you get to tell oh, they got story. Oh, they got a lot of it wrong, you know? Well, like, or, or, or kind of... Yeah, they're like, going to put their, you know, yeah. every editor and, and author is going to, yeah. you know, put their, their spin on things and they're sure. going to, you know, make it sound maybe a little bit more glorified yeah. or, 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 or maybe gloss it over yeah, and make exactly. it look a little less abrasive. Exactly, but I mean, this is, like, this is your, <laughs> these are your words. Yeah. And, and that's why I thought it'd be awesome to have you on, especially with that article coming out so soon. Uh, it was a good time to, to recognize um, your, your successes and, and your, your restaurant. I mean, yeah. it's an awesome time. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's one of those things that, that, you know, a lot of people hear about me online or, or they read things or they do this. And it's like, you know, I, I made a comment on, on, on a post that got shared about me the other day. And, you know, I've got like three haters out there and they ran wild on one of them. And I was just like, look, man, like, y'all don't know me. You know of me or you've heard about me from someone but. But this is me, you know. It's like I'm, 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 I'm very intense. I'm very passionate. Right. Uh, I'm very driven. Um, I'm very emotional. I got a big ass heart, man. Like I do a yeah. lot of stuff, and you'll never see me toot my own horn for it. But there's a lot of stuff out there that if people dig, they're like, I feel like I, I've learned to be a good dude despite all the things that I've been through in my life, and I've been through some pretty crazy things. Yeah. You know, One of my favorite. My favorite. Good to be able to tell it. You know? <laughs> my favorite comments is about somebody who. Uh, who had booked an outside seat. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there was bugs outside. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm like, and it looked like it might rain. And then yeah. I inquired, well, if it rains, is there seating inside? No, sir, it's Saturday at 7.30 at night. Every table is literally booked for the next four hours. Well, that's unacceptable. Literally says it. On the reservation system, reserve your own risk. I that's that. unacceptable. I One star. And how dare you reply to me? <laughs> I... I knew I'm not that you. guy. I didn't yeah. mean to set you off so oh, no. <laughs> It's just like, oh my God. It's sometimes it's just like, you know, people people have been trained to be that way with restaurants. And I blame that on corporations. And I bring I blame that on the restaurants that live to please everybody. What I do is an expression of me, it's an expression of my life and who I am. It's 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 a slice of, of me. Yeah. Um that's not meant to be loved or appreciated by everybody. If it doesn't jive with you, if you don't dig it, if you don't like what I do, that's All right, this is Spirit Squared, episode 14. Uh, our next guest is Josh Betts from Dead Cat Ranch. Yes. Looking forward to that. Um, they do a lot of great stuff with veterans. Mm-hmm. They do a lot with uh, youth. And looking forward to talking to him. And we'll see you soon. Thanks so much.